Hey, what's up? It's your boy Anthony Cass Clark, and welcome to another edition of Thoughts Over Coffee Daily. Good people of the world, what is up? I hope that all is well, all is well on this side. Today, I have a very special podcast lined up for you. If you are a fan of long-form podcasts, you are a fan of listening to people's journeys, their life stories, um, hearing about those ups and downs, dissecting their story, taking those gems and applying them to your life, then this podcast is for you. Today's podcast features Sneaker Steve, a fashion mogul, man. He's been in sneakers. He's been in in footwear. He's been in, in in clothing. He's been he's been doing a lot of things, man. So I just want you guys to take a sip of your coffee, sit back, relax, or if you're at work, work. If you're driving drive but whatever you're doing take it all in enjoy the podcast and uh before we get started of course please share this podcast with somebody if you enjoy it i really appreciate the screenshots i appreciate the photos i appreciate you tagging me c-a-s-s-4-q-l i really thank you guys for everything that you do and uh without further ado here it is sneaker steve on the short story long podcast We are here, short story long, with my friend. I call him Sneaker Steve because um, as long as I've known him, which probably we probably first met each other uh, like nine years ago, um, I just look at him as the king of all things sneakers and sneaker design. But Steve Patino, aka Sneaker That's Steve, good. welcome to Short Story Long. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, pleasure to be here. It's amazing to. To be on this podcast and also with the incredible list of people that you've already interviewed. Yes. Mean, it, for me, it's an honor. And uh, as we were talking about the five-minute journal, I am grateful. Man, it's, it's an <laughs> honor to have you. And, and for the listeners, like we literally, he walked into the room, gave me a couple pairs of shoes, and we just started talking about all the shit we talk about on this podcast, about his daily rituals and his five-minute journals, all these different things. And I was like, wait, we have to start the podcast and actually um, say this for real. So I'm going to make him just repeat everything. Um, let me start by first asking, because we just talked about it. Patino, where's that from? What's uh, your... my, my parents are both from Colombia. Got it. I, I was born in New York in, in the late 70s. And um, so I'm American, of course. But my parents are Colombian. I speak Spanish. Did you grow up in a Spanish-speaking... Do your parents speak Spanish to you? Definitely, yeah. I grew up... My mom... Spoke Spanish to me primarily, and then of course, you know, just growing up in New York, you learn you learn English yep. in the school system. What was like early, early childhood in New York like? Like, what was incredible? Paint the picture for me. Like, what's young Steve Patino's life? Like? <laughs> it's you know what it is. It's it's a movie, man. Yeah. Like, think about it. I don't know if you ever watched like the 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 show the, show, the Get Down on Netflix. I have. Yes. Literally, it's. My upbringing is a Nas soundtrack. Yeah. Because I grew up in Queens. Yeah. You hear the 7 train a few blocks away from me. Uh, 70s, 80s, it was dirty. It was grimy. Um, I would walk out my building and see dudes like one dude on the corner would be a cardboard box and he's breakdancing. Yeah. The other side of my building was like a white rock gang. Yeah. Then downstairs, if I go to the park, I had a park to the left of me two blocks and a park to the right of me two blocks, which are two different gangs. So I had to decide where to play. Yeah. Because there was different, there was different rules 
to if I played at Broadway Park or if I played at 78th Street Park. Was there other Colombians there? Huge. Huge okay, migration so of Colombians, of, yeah. A lot of curly hair. Yeah, a lot of curly hair, man. <laughs> as you can see. Yeah. As you can see, you know? Yes. I'm, like, I'm just we so invented j- the swaggy P haircut. That's like you did, huh? Colombian. Yeah, God damn it. I'm just so jealous of it because <laughs> I'll tell you where there's zero culture. Akron, Ohio. Oh, so God. growing up in Akron, I mean, I love it. I'm not trying to shit on Akron, Ohio, but like you just don't get, nobody's breakdancing. There's no music culture. There's no, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, uh, it's interesting. And I don't, I mean, I guess it created us who we are, our two different places where we're from, but it's, I'm just jealous of growing up with that much culture around you, that many different races, that many, you know what I mean? Like, it just seems really cool. Yeah. It, it, you know, now as I look back on my life and I think once I started to turn 20 and really started to travel outside of New York, yep. I got to understand that that's not how the rest of the country is. Yeah. You know, when you grow up in, a, in such a melting pot, like, first of all, New York is a melting pot. When you dig deeper, Elmhurst is the most culturally diverse community in all of New York. Mm-hmm. And you just think, why? So both airports are in Queens. Mm-hmm. When you're poor, and you're an immigrant, the only place you can land is where you land. Yeah. You're not going to Manhattan. You're not going anywhere else. So you're going to literally land in Queens. Yep. So growing up in, in where I went to at PS89 during elementary school, it was like over 100 different communities, different flags. Yeah. And we would have these cultural days where people would come in and eat food from all these countries. And I was just like, I thought everyone had an Indian neighbor and a, and a Thai neighbor yeah. and a Cambodian neighbor and just from everywhere. Yep. And the smells were crazy growing up like in my building you would know who was cooking yeah yeah you didn't even need to go to the door yeah you'd be like oh man the patinos are making (laughs) dinner again (laughs) or the indians are cooking i'm like oh yeah some of that stuff smells crazy Uh uh-huh that's so cool man it's just cool (laughs) i I think for me like i where i'm from like i said is so um just so sort of eh, i'm trying to not be mean because i don't want to be mean but it's it's bland it's very bland and it's like this People don't travel and people don't aren't cultured and they aren't they're kind of scared of uh, other races and other yeah. places and other you know what I mean? And, and I think that it's such an important, valuable thing to just have that education and to not be scared of the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. In, in, in New York, you had to grow up quick. Yeah. So at eight, I had my keys already. I was already on the train. My my mom, I come from a single parent home. Uh, my parents divorced when I was early. So. Mm-hmm. I grew up in in Queens, and my mom grew up just doing anything she could to survive. Yeah. So she had just came to the country about five, six years ago. I'm now born, and all of a sudden, she has to fend for herself. And literally, like, my house was like a little mini store. So mm-hmm. she would sell from empanadas, which are like Spanish beef patties, yeah. to lingerie, to jewelry, to shoes. Anything. Anything she could. Yeah. So my living room was literally like a little market. Yeah. And and people would know, like my friends would tease me later on because they'd be like, oh, Steve's coming through. Because yeah. I would smell like empanadas. Yeah. Because yeah, my yeah. mom was cooking. Yeah. Literally at the house. Man. And this is where this like hustler mentality that, came from. Yeah. You I, can't not I was a an entrepreneur out of that. That's insane. <laughs> uh, and very few people know that. <laughs> man. And so she just... Got by. She just did what she had to do to get by and take care of you. Yeah, it was it was it was crazy because growing up during that era, it was like there was a lot of pressure because when you when you're growing up, you know, in a single parent whole yeah. household, and your parent is first generation, yeah, 
they don't know what you're experiencing. So I was five, seven, eight, ten years old. I'm experiencing New York City. Uh-huh. I'm growing up in New York City. She's still yeah, she couldn't programmed. relate. She couldn't relate. Yeah. So everything is completely different. That's crazy. You just had to kind of learn it yourself. Oh yeah. And what did you get into? Like, what did you? Where did you fall in? Where did you find your place? So luckily, from like five to ten, mm-hmm. I grew up playing basketball. Got it. So that saved me because I knew that. The only way to be safe in the park was if I was good at basketball. Yeah. And then the bigger guys wouldn't mess with me. Yeah. You know, so for me, I always thought about it. I was like, cool. Then as I got a little bit older, I started getting into fashion. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm not going to, I can't beat anyone up. So I'm going to be the coolest flies dude I could be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I play ball. Yeah. So it was so like, you're okay, safe. You're I'm good. safe. Yeah. I'm like, Steve came in, he looks good, yeah. and, you know, and, and, and he can play ball. Yeah. Don't mess with him. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like you find your lane that way. That's good. Did you feel like, uh, did you ever have dreams of being in the NBA? Like, did you ever have Hell a no. phase? Never. No. So you knew from the beginning? Yeah. Where, why, why did you know that? You just knew that you weren't good enough? Or did somebody yeah. tell you? Or Yeah, no, I knew I wasn't good enough. I knew that I was like, I was good enough to make sure that I was on every basketball court. I played yeah. for Aim High, uh, which was run by Kenny Anderson's brother, Kenny Smith, yeah. um, which is a lot of the, the more famous NBA players from Queens. So I played at that level. I played with uh, Noriega, who's N-O-R-E. Wow. He grew up in the projects, like, probably like 15 minutes away from where I was. Where yeah. I was was primarily buildings. Yeah. But if you went like 20 minutes out, those were the biggest projects of Queens. Yeah. And I grew up playing basketball there. So my handle is crazy. Yeah. I could I could play with anybody. But you had the awareness to know, like, hey, I'm not chasing this dream. Correct. Yeah. Correct. That's where a lot of kids go wrong. And I was Latino, so it's different. Yeah. So as a... As a Latino dude coming in to primarily black projects mm-hmm. and killing them and be like, bah, 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 bah. they're yeah. like, holy shoot. <laughs> you know, like, who the and fuck look is at that this? jacket. And I was flying. <laughs> yeah. Coming through with like Reebok pumps or David Robinson 180s on. Yeah, just killing it. Yeah. God damn it. Or New Balance sweatsuit with like orange piping. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. With the curls. It's just so cool, man. It's so cool. No wonder. It's all is starting to piece together, like yeah. how you are how you are now. Um, and then what about going into high school? Any, did anything change there, or was it kind of a continuation of like... Yeah, so like even before high school, it was really like junior high, mm-hmm. which is big. So now you get, you know, young Steve Patino, he's, you know, he's getting a little bit older. Um, now it's in the 80s. Yeah. So it's like 80 to 92. What's going on in that era? Give me like music. Give me... Oh, man. You're talking about Far Side, Got Dr. It. Dre, Das Effects, uh, Red Man, yeah. Wu Tang. Yeah. Oh God! Okay. Uh, yeah. I get, I'm like literally getting yeah. chills. Yeah. Like it feels like a movie. It, it's a movie. Yeah, it literally feels like a movie. So I'm like walking out. So now, um, just put in perspective, like. I bought the Air Max 90s uh-huh. in 1990. <laughs> the actual you know what I mean? One, like. Yeah. <laughs> That was my life. Like, I was in sixth grade, and I'm like, I'm going to have the new Air Max on. Yeah. And this is like the invention of air. Uh-huh. Like, imagine. It's huge. Like, so you're kids, walking like on the, air. All the kids that are listening to this, yep. before this, there's no air in your sneakers. Mm-hmm. Now, now they're Nike. tracking how many steps you've taken, and they lace themselves. <laughs> We're talking about an air bubble here, kids. Yeah. A little air bubble. The little one in the back of the Air Max 90. That's and, all you got. And what was the marketing? Like, it's going to make you float, or like, it's just so soft? Yeah, it's like literally you're just walking on clouds. Okay. You're on air. Okay. I like it. I mean, the ads were incredible at Nike during that time, too. Yeah. So, so you're in junior high. You got your fresh Air, air, air Maxes. It's funny because I only it's li- when I think of Air Max 90s, I think of it as like a model number. Like, I don't think of it as like <laughs> the year. You know what I mean? Wow. Like, I know that it's because it came out in, in the 90s, but I'm saying I don't even, it wasn't even on my radar in the 90s. I don't know if you can ask questions to your audience, but yes. I would want to know 
how many kids know that the Air Max 90 is called the Air Max 90 because it came out in 1990 or the Air Max 95, which came out in 1995? Here's what will happen. I think that everyone who's going to respond will say they knew it and will also take the <laughs> opportunity to call me stupid. But I'm saying that the majority of the listeners, it's just like somewhere in their mental Rolodex of like, I don't know, the Air Max 90. Yeah, I get it. But like. When I say it, there's no nostalgia of like, I remember when it came out in 90 90. or in 95 or in, you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway. So, so this is now me. So this is young Steve. Now I'm in junior high. Now I'm liking girls. Now I'm wearing Gap and Benetton. Um, And fashion starts to become more of a battle. Got it. So now you're, I'm wearing like corduroy Gap shirts but into the top. I look like I'm in a Kwame video. Uh-huh. Like it's just, uh-huh. it's just, you can't even imagine the looks uh-huh. at that time. And I start at the time on the New York Knicks was John Starks. Uh-huh. So now I start to write graffiti. And now my tag name is Starks. So now I'm coming to the court. I'm tagging my name Starks. Man, I love John you. Starks. God damn, you're the coolest guy I've ever met. <laughs> what the fuck? You've literally done anything cool. Like from Queens, got this first, wore that, had crazy handles, also tagged. By the way, I could break dance a little and I can backflip on flat ground. <laughs> All that except the backflip. Yeah. Yeah. And, Did you uh, go through a breakdance phase? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was a dancer because I'm, I'm five six, so I was short. Yeah. So, like, I've told my friends this story before. Like, in order to get the girls back then, there was no bottle service. Yeah. So, one is you had to dance. And from the 80s, like, think about it. Like, you're coming from, like, 70s, 60s, Studio 54 with the flyest dude, John Travolta. Yeah. You got to be that dude. Yeah. That's a dude that bags the girls. That's funny. Because in, the in dude our life in now, it's the guy that's quiet with getting sparklers sent to his table. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Look at him. He's so that's talented. That's the softest guy. Yeah. Because he's got no power. Man. It's a dude that could walk up to a New York City woman yeah. and be like, I'm going to dance with you. I wasn't there and I missed those days. That was incredible. You know I mean? Like, I wish we could that go was out a tonight whole... <laughs> and just dance our faces off. And so <sighs> during that time, which was interesting, is like my community was so wild because it was, remember, this is also the crack epidemic. Yeah. So my area is really dangerous, too. I don't, it's not, to put in perspective, like Elmhurst, Jackson Heights is not like Brownsville or like some crazy areas in the Midwest, or like yeah. something crazy where you're like, just the second you walk out, you think you're gonna get killed. Yeah, it's not that. Okay, it's like watch yourself around certain corners. Yeah, every corner. Yeah, it's like be careful at the wrong time. But it's not like I'm gonna, gonna get walk like out. jumped or something. Exactly, you don't but not know. Not like Chicago just gets lit up. Correct. It's not that. Yeah, it's like two blocks away from me. I know that there's a crack dealership, yeah. right? Or cocaine. Yeah. And I know that. Yeah. And everyone knows that. Yeah. Right? So that don't be careful with that corner. Mm-hmm. On this side, you don't know where you're at. Uh-huh. So just be careful when you're walking through, like, let's say, a mile. Because in New York, everyone walks. Yeah. So, like, if I had to walk to high school or if I had to take, I'm going into a different area. Yeah. And you don't know what's going to happen. So you know where you're going and where you got to be. Like, you're not going out for a stroll. Yeah. 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 There's... Basically, I was Waze, the app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like a safety like Waze. the quickest, best way. <laughs> you should create the Hood Waze app. That'd be incredible. Crack, crack house on left, yeah. take a right. Ah, I'm just saying, there might be a little bit of money there. Not and uh, money. So, so now, right, like, and it was so ill because I, I wanted to share this with you. Yeah. I would shop at stolen clothing apartments. Wow. That was a thing. That was a thing. So you would have to know. And it was like underground. Yeah. And you would have to know where the house was. 
And was there like a certain time? Like from noon to two? You it was go mostly there? like nighttime. Got it. And you would go and you had to know somebody. It was usually run by Spanish people. Yeah. And you would go in and it would literally be like a department store wow. of everything stolen. And nice shit. Nice shit. Like Tommy what's, Hilfiger. What's your like are you like a 50% discount or like what's your? More. Wow. Yeah. So you're just killing it. It's like a Tommy Hilfiger shirt at that time was probably like $78 for like the collar shirt with like the little yeah. logo embellishment, right? Yep. Maybe you get it for like 20 bucks. Oh, that's great. Nautica. Yeah. You know, Gap, whatever the brands were of that time. Yeah. And it was that was my area. So my area, me growing up, like even thinking about it now, was all a hustle. It was like you had to be careful. You had to be aware. You had to know where you're going. You had to know what you're doing. Yeah. You kind of had to figure it out. Yeah. You know, there was kind of like these other subcultures of things that were happening during that time. Yeah. But such valuable lessons. I just can't get away from like, and I try to not spend too much time preaching on this thing, but like, there's something so fundamentally wrong with um, a very good, proper household and upbringing and a good, proper college education. And there are valuable elements to it, but there's some, there's this element of like real life survival of the fittest that, that you do not learn there. Street smarts. Yes. And there's so many people who kind of, go through like a normal childhood and then go to college. Let's say you get a medium level sort of education. You have no idea what you want to do, who you are, how to even get it. Like the most successful even business people I know are sharks. They're not like, it's not like, oh, what class did you learn that in? That's why I do this podcast. It's like, because these are the lessons that you can't learn, right? But it's like, I don't know, man, that the lessons that you must have learned in living in that area or just sound ridiculous it's it's it's, it's crazy it's ridiculous and, and so during that time because junior high is short right yeah and that was when coming to america was being filmed uh-huh. so that was in queens yeah because he went to go find his wife in queens yeah so that was on queens boulevard so was that and when huge? i was huge it was huge Jesus. so i would go on my yellow cheese bus because that's what took us to, to our junior high school yeah and to the right we would see the mcdowell's yeah. which was a wendy's on queens boulevard yeah and the Soul Glow ad yeah. is on Queens Boulevard, which was to the left of it. So when they look at the Jerry Curl Soul Glow ad on top of McDowell's, that was Queens Boulevard. So you're literally living in a movie. Literally living in a movie. <laughs> so it's not like a TV show. You literally lived on a movie set. Oh, man. Jesus Christ. And at that time, hip-hop was my life. Mm-hmm. You know, because this is now 88 to 92. Now Dr. Dre and Snoop are coming out. The Chronic. So it's like this East Coast, West Coast, biggies coming out. And I would then go to the clubs. Yep. So I started going clubbing when I was 14. Wow. And How'd you get in? <clears throat> because I was with like 70 guys. Yeah. Which is just crazy to There's think too that. too many I, to even ID. And like, ah, oh, he dresses well, nice. Well, no, we would pay. Okay. Got it. So my friends who were 18, 19, 20, they would go into the club. They'll be like 70 deep. Because back then, you have to understand, like, even me saying this right now sounds crazy that 70 men would anywhere. go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would be like a fucking riot. Yeah. So, but back then, it was like if you went out to some of these clubs, you had to roll deep. Yeah. Because you'd never know what's going to happen. So, that was a safety thing. So, it was a safety thing. Yeah. And it was kind of like a crew thing. It was 100%. a pride thing, right? Yeah. So, you would go out and they would, they would just pay the bouncer 100 bucks and I would get in. So early at an early age, at 14, I already got like, I'm in the New York City clubs. Yeah. So I'm going, I'm going to the right of me was the, well, actually to the left. No, actually to the right was a tunnel. 
Yeah. The tunnel, that's where Funk Master Flex. Yeah, that's huge. That's Iconic. where Jay would come in. That's where Puffy would be at. And you would see the gold Lexuses. So everything that Jay's rapping around, you know, around in the gold Lex bubble, yeah. he's coming through, coming out with furs, going into it. And you would be there and you'd be like, holy shit. Yeah. This is just crazy, you know? I can't imagine. Because you would hear about it and then go see it. Yes. That's what's insane. Like where I grew up, you would hear about it and you would think that you will never in your life even witness it. Like I remember one time I, we were hanging out with Rob and I was like 12 years old and Rob came like for Christmas or something and some Jay-Z song was on maybe Big Pimpin' or something like that and he was like, you know, this is pretty much describing my life, right? He said that to me <laughs> at like 12 and I was like, what the fuck? Like he has a Mercedes and he like, what? And I remember just thinking like, I'll never even see that. Like, that, like he's talking about imitating a rap video and I'll never even see that. Like to be 14 and be able to soak that much in is nuts. It's nuts. Oh, man. And, 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 you know, back then it was, and now you understand, like, why the, the hip-hop market grew so much. Because clothing and fashion, it was war. Yeah. You know, it was, I'm going to kill somebody with my outfit. Yeah. Like, that was the mentality. Like, I was walking into high school saying, I'm going to kill everybody. Yeah. And it's crazy that I even thought that way, but that was it. So, like, I would walk into freshman high school with an Averex, with North Face overalls, Uh with Dolomite hiking boots, Uh with a chain. Like, this is 14 years old. I'm wearing like $3,000 worth of clothing in the 90s, and I'm 14 years old. Just murdering people. Murdering. (laughs) (laughs) That was like every day, walking to school. Like, my outfits are just going to be crazy. So, back then, I don't know if you know a term called the lowlifes, which was a crew from Brooklyn and crews uh-huh. that basically stole Ralph Lauren clothing, polo low lives, and they would steal the clothing. Uh-huh. So they would go in 50, 60, 70 deep and run into Bloomingdale's or run into the Ralph Lauren store and take, steal everything. Wow. And you c- couldn't stop them. Because imagine 50 wild ass motherfuckers yeah. running into a store and just g- literally they were going like this and just grab the racks. Whatever fell, fell and run out the store. What a crazy And they call it thing. Steam Team. Okay. So they would steam the store together. Yeah. Only polo. Only polo. Wow. And this is where I grew up. So in the clubs, it was everyone had on low, uh-huh. which was an abbreviation for polo. Yeah. So you were a low head. Yeah. And literally like all the guys, all the girls just head to toe dipped in low. So this, I was literally living that life buying trite. Trying to take steel, yeah. like going to a fitting room, try to take two pairs of socks. So I'll go into a fitting room, take two or three socks, yeah. wear them, put them under my other sock, yeah. and just leave. Or take a jacket or put stuff on. And really, there was just this whole other organization of kids that were basically like created bags yeah. that have m- detectors that actually offset the detectors. So the detectors don't ring when you go out. So it's this other another like sub universe yeah. of how the kids would get what they needed to get to, because you couldn't go into the club and not look right. No, you couldn't. You obviously, you couldn't even go to junior high and not look right. <laughs> Jesus, I wonder how Polo felt. Polo had to be pumped secretly. Do you think? Uh, do you I think if know. you're sitting in the Polo office, you're probably like, "This is sick." Like if I if somebody emailed me right now and said, "Yo, there's this new thing called wreckheads, right?" And they they run into stores and they steal young and reckless and they just run out and they're a crew and I'd be like. That's sick. I'm going to post that. Like, look at that. You're <laughs> telling me that's the demand I'm creating here? I never thought of it that way. They had to be wreck like, heads. this is a thing. Kids, Cause, cause, who's going to start the wreckheads? Come on, man. There's a pack sun by you, man. Run up in there tomorrow. I'm just saying. 
<laughs> Actually, no, we don't want that. We don't want Just that. give it a try. Uh, I'm saying if you don't do it, but if you do do it, tag me in the photo. Uh, um, yeah, I, I just because I feel like now today, like there's nothing really like that. Like there's no brand no. that had has that response that doesn't exist yeah right yeah well actually i was interestingly enough mm-hmm. i was at the i was at maxfield's at the they did something called chinese laundry with a brand called veteramont's mm-hmm. and there was a line for hours and hours and hours more than like a yeezy drop this was crazy what, yep. what maxfield's did was like to create and they're buying 400 800 sweatshirts yeah, twelve hundred dollars and the line the event probably started like at six o'clock. Yep. We got there almost at midnight. So imagine there's like a six to midnight sale at eleven forty. There was a line of product that's going. I mean, you're talking about an incredible movement yeah. of product. Yeah. So here's my thing. Number one, that's insane, and there's definitely a pocket of that that is happening with. Uh, you know, I think Off White has it. I mm-hmm. think those guys have it, but. On the level of like, think about being a brand that's the size that you have a section at Bloomingdale's. Yeah. You know, the problem is Vetements hasn't proven yet. I don't think they ever want to or will, but like that they can distribute on that level. Got it. So imagine like you're that heavily, massively of a distributed brand and you still have that level of cult following. That's the part that I just think will never exist. Like I think probably the LRGs were like the last guys that phase were like Got the it. last round and people weren't stealing LRG. I don't think like that, but I'm just saying like being a hundred million dollar plus brand that still has a cult following or a billion, you know, like yeah. Ralph Lauren, like if you're talking about like, yes, you're right. Like that wide of scale and still I want to steal it. Yeah, like it. you can get it. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. you, you can go to the stolen clothing apartment and get it for 20 bucks, but no, you love it so much that you call yourself low heads and you're fucking steamrolling stores. Like, that's passion yeah that's insane yeah and it was literally like a movie when you go to the clubs and hear the music so the 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 vibe was crazy so now i'm like 14 15 yeah and i have just this incredible passion for clothing and desire to have it right so my mom's like you got to get a job yeah because she could tell like how are you getting this stuff already she's looking at me like we don't have money thousand dollar outfit steven yeah uh you don't have a job yeah you don't have a job yeah so my mom literally takes me from, if, if you know Manhattan, she takes me, we get off on 59th Street, mm-hmm. and she drags me down First Avenue. And we go from 59th Street to 42nd Street, and she goes into every store uh-huh. and says, my, my son needs a job, my son needs a job, my son needs a job. At the end of it, we got to 42nd Street, where I'm dying of embarrassment first, because my exhaustion. mom's literally like, yeah. in exhaustion. We end up at a supermarket, and she goes, look, I clean. So my mom would also clean apartments. Mm-hmm. Right, so she would clean like luxury apartments in the city Got it. to make money, and she would take me on the weekends to go clean barbershops. Yeah. So my wife is happy now that I know how to clean. Yeah. So I'm trained. I'm, tra- I'm fully husband. trained. Yeah. Yes. So I would go in and, and at a young early age. So she got me this job, and I remember the first interview with the with the manager. The guy was a dick, and mm-hmm. he was just like, "You clearly like are a piece of shit, really, but your mom's a sweetheart, and." You're terrible. Uh-huh. And because of her uh-huh. is why you have the job. Man. And looked at me again and was like. And by the way, fuck you. Yeah. Like <laughs> straight up. Like, yeah. by the way, like, fuck you. Yeah. And I didn't care, you yeah. know? And I was like, I got a job. Yeah. So my first official job was working at the food emporium down the block from the United Nations. Jesus. Where was that at? Man? 42nd Street. Yeah. 
down the block. So you got to the very end. You went from what, 51st, you said, or 59th? 59th in Lexington. 59th and the last stop was like, we'll take him. We'll take him. But fuck you, little kid. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We'll take you, but we hate you. Yeah. Totally. I'll take you, but I hate you. Yeah. For no reason at all. So then what? So how's that go? How's like... I was a mess, bro. Yeah. I was a mess. I was like... You hated it. I would do anything I could do to mess up. Yeah. I was... I was terrible. I would go get the money and just buy weed with it. Like yeah. I was like, any money I got at that time, I found out like later, my, my father passed away when I was 14. And you didn't know at the time? No, I found out at the time. Okay. What I didn't know is that I rebelled. Got so it. I thought it was just like me just being me, 14. Yeah. But it was really acting out. Yeah. You know, if I think back. Yeah. And I would just, any money I had, I would literally buy weed. Yeah. So I literally smoked weed every single day of my life of high school. Uh-huh. Every single day. Uh-huh. Um, from, I want to say from 14, it took me six years to graduate high school. Really? Yeah. Was that from like not showing up? Not Bad showing gray? up. Yeah, yeah. So I played basketball for the school. So I, I, played, I played basketball for the school. I was just fly. Yeah. Like my, my crew, my team, my crew was tough. Uh-huh. And I was the fly one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had a really tough crew. That's a good equation. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you gotta, if you're gonna be the fly one, the fly short yeah. uh, Colombian guy, yeah. you gotta have a tough crew. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can't be just walking around by yourself. Like, look at my, look at my $1,000 jacket. You're right. Actually, stolen. yeah. You know what I mean? You need the backup. I figured it out early. Yeah. It's like celebrities and bodyguards. You know what I mean? Like, you need, you figured that out at a young age. Like, I'll be the celebrity. You guys got my back. Yeah, it was crazy, man. <laughs> like, my team was wild, bro. Like, yeah. they were really, really wild dudes. And I was definitely by far the softest of all of them. Like, yeah. I was like, I'm here and you guys are holy shit, bro. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But I would do really bad stuff and stupid stuff because I was still part of the crew. So yeah. I had to. Yeah. So by default, I was getting in a lot of trouble. Yeah. And I would see that. So, like, so basically now I'm a pretty boy. You know, I got three cuts in my eyebrow, like Nas, yep. Nas talks about. Yep. I'm getting a haircut twice a week. Yep. Like, literally, it was like a fade. You had to have it, like, a Monday and Thursday. Yeah. Just for that. So that Friday you had, a, you yeah. know, uh, a new cut. Yeah. And I get my first job at a sneaker store. Ooh. So this is where Sneaker Steve is born, right? Wow. And... Now, was that just like a like? Thank God I'm out of this shitty job and I'm surrounded by shoes. Like, was that like a moment for you, or was it another job? No, it was a moment. Okay, it was a moment, but the way it happened was so random. It was I was buying so much product from this one store that the owner had my phone number, and he called me one Saturday. One of his workers bailed. Mm-hmm. One of his other Colombian workers. Yeah, uh, and he was like, "Look, Steve, I'm sorry to bother you on Saturday. Just come. My wife lives in Long Island." Just come take care of the shift because I'm by myself at the store. Yep. I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. So I see him putting out a, a, a help wanted sign. Uh-huh. And I'm like, you know what? At the end of the day, I'm like, don't worry about it. Why don't I just do this? So well, how about we do this? Yeah. You, this is me hustling already, right? I'm yeah. like, you don't have to pay me. Just give me a new pair of sneakers every single weekend. I'll work Saturdays and Sundays for you. Uh-huh. My only intention in life at that time was that Monday morning at homeroom at high school, I had a new pair of sneakers. Yeah. Fresh pair of kicks. How simple every life single- was. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, are you the man? Your, when your life every drive Monday? is like, if every Monday I can have a pair of shoes, I'm good. Good. That's all I need. And it's not even good. I'm killing it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, this is like a big deal. Yeah. Every single Monday, yep. you walk in with a fresh new pair on. Yeah, you're good. Oh, so good. So mm-hmm. now... I'm playing basketball. Um, now, I'm styling because I got the, the sneaker job. Yep. And I find out really quickly that I don't like school. 
Yeah. Because I like girls more. 100%. We've all been there. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm literally like my goal to school. This is my... All right, so this is my day. Yeah. We just talked about my daily ritual at 39 years old. Yes, give it to which me. Which is at, so like at organic. 16. Right? Yeah. I'm going to give it to you at 16. Yeah. One is wake up late. Two is, and late for me was probably like seven because we would take our brother, one of my, my best friend's brother worked for a bank uh-huh. at the time, and we would have to go to Brooklyn to buy weed. Uh-huh. So we would go in the morning, in the morning, Jesus, spitting rhymes, yeah, listening to Mob Deep or listening to like Biggie, yeah, going to Brooklyn to cop at Brooklyn, yeah, pass by Big's house, uh. and going buy some crazy chocolate weed from the Dread at the grocery store, then come back so he can go to work, yeah, smoke a blunt uh-huh. on the way to and from, uh-huh. and then come back into high school, check in, and then go outside. And just pimp and yeah, look good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my outfit was crazy. Yeah. Like, that was the goal. Yeah. Do you want to talk about goals? <laughs> yeah. That was goal. it. Goal number one. Had the haircut, yeah. had the look, and I was high. God damn it. <laughs> that was every day. Every day. And what would you do? You just stood out front and hollered at girls or walked That's around? It. or Stood outside, yep. hollered at girls, made sure I was going to gym because I got to play basketball. Yeah. Which is crazy. And then make sure that I'm there to either... Create like a hooky party. Yeah. Try to get girls to go to like a hooky party or my friends or write graffiti or do whatever. Yeah. And then after, make sure that I was there for basketball practice. Uh huh. Which is crazy. So my whole day started this time, but all I was really there was for like the girls, the food, and then like basketball practice. And was there anything happening like uh like was your school telling your mom? Was there any dynamic there of your school telling your mom like, hey, uh, Steve? isn't really even showing up and it looks like it's going to take him six years to graduate. Did that happen? Or did she just kind of like let you deal with it? I don't know. You know what? Like, cause I like, I watch movies now and you always see like the parents to get the call. Yeah. The call or, or, or the slip. Yeah. You know what I had is, um, I had notes that you would have to take home to your mom saying that you were bad or whatever. And they would, they would have to sign them and send them and give them back. Yeah. So I learned how to forge my mom's signature office at a very young age. Stupid. Coventry High School. Step your game up. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I love you guys. Uh, but so that's what I would do. But that, that was the process. There's always the like phone home, Steve's fucking up sort of thing. I don't know what it was, yeah. bro. I don't know if it's maybe when they were calling home, my mom was out there selling like lingerie and yeah. gold chains and She was hustling too, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Because or I was just high. You don't remember. And I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. She might have yelled at you. you just she definitely remember. yelled at me. <laughs> yeah. She definitely yelled at me. So what? So how old were you when you graduated then? This is crazy. It took me six years. So you were... So literally, so I went through... I'm in like maybe two or three yearbooks. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> That's amazing. Like, oh, you're going to take your picture again. Yeah. Happy... Never change. Yeah. So I see it, you didn't change. Never change. <laughs> <laughs> have a good summer. Still haven't changed. So during that time, it's crazy because at that time, like, so I'm, I'm getting ready now. Now it's going until I'm like six year. It took me another two years to do summer school. Yeah. And I get kicked out. They take me to like a GED course. Mm-hmm. So they don't let me graduate. Then through the GED course, I get kicked out the first day because we're just fucking around. Yeah. So the first day of the GED course where the one that's supposed to help you to get out, not looking we good. get kicked out. Yeah. And then I went back and then it was... They told me two things. They were like, look, if you don't take this summer school and you don't pass, yeah. legally, the New York State school system cannot have you here uh-huh. into a seventh year. Uh-huh. So is that what it that, is that what got that you? That was it. Basically, yeah. by that time, I was like, holy shit, like, I can't even get a GED. Yep. 
Like, imagine that. With like the end of the road, and you just, yeah. Like, imagine me talking to you right now and being like, I don't even have a GED. Fuck yeah. a high school. I don't have a GED. Yeah, yeah. I would but, have been like, Steve, uh, the podcast is full. Uh, <laughs> but listen, we'll catch you up in a little bit later. I'm kidding. Crazy. You probably would have, I mean, you probably would have been, you probably would have been just fine. Yeah. I don't think the I don't GED, know. but at the time, you know it's what? like you, you have. Know, you know what? And I know there's a lot of kids listening. Yeah. I don't know. That's I don't good. think so. Why? To be real. Why? And you, 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 I'll tell you like what happens after. Mm-hmm. So after six years, I finally graduate. The, I start a clothing brand with my friends called Gauzy. Yeah. That, you know, that we were doing. Because this is now Mark Echo days. Yeah. This is now FUBU. Yeah. Carl Kanai. Yeah. You know, this is Mecca. Yeah. Crisscross. You know what that also feels like to me is like Polo. I, correct me if I'm wrong, but Polo and those brands didn't feel like the creators were one of you, right? Correct. Even though you may have latched on to the... Which is the FUBU, for you, by you. That's why I'm saying I think that the Carl... Can- I think when I picture Carl Kanai, Mark Echo, Damon John, those guys, I picture it being the first time that people felt like they could do it too. Like Mark Echo is totally. one of us. You know what I mean? Or Carl Kanai is one of us. Totally. And that seemed like a big moment in that generation. Huge. Yeah. Huge. Because before it was Tommy Hilfiger. Yeah, like How am I going to associate to Tommy Hilfiger yeah. or Ralph Lauren? Yeah. Look at them. They're like, they're not me completely. So now you start to get these brands where these are artists coming up. And I get to now. So my average my was 65.2, something like that yeah. out of high school. I get into my community school. Thank God for LaGuardia Community College in Queens. Thank you very much. Yep. Yeah. And I get into it, and literally my life just takes it like a 720. Really? So let me ask you one thing quickly. Did you go there because, like, what drove you there as opposed to not going to college? What drove what is- me there was that, one, my friend Ralph, who was part of Gauzy, my mm-hmm. clothing collection. He was the president of the company at the time. He went there. Got it. And I knew... Mind you, so on paper, I look terrible, Yeah. right? Because of what I'm doing and I'm messing up and I'm high. Mm -hmm. In my mind, I'm already an entrepreneur. Like I have a clothing brand. I work at the the sneaker store. Yeah. 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 I'm like, I'm going to do million dollar deals. So you need an education. You need an education. Like you're going to go, I'm just going to be successful. Yeah. Which is crazy to me that I thought I was going to be successful when on paper I looked crazy. Yeah. And if you looked at me, I looked fucking crazy, too. Yeah. I had cornrows. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know what's really crazy? I had cornrows. So <laughs> let me tell you about when yeah. I landed at LAX and walked out of the terminal and Rob was waiting for me in an SUV, I had cornrows in my head. So there has crazier things have happened. Let me tell you that. Okay. You, you definitely got, got it on you. that one. Yep. You got it on that Thank one. You. That is crazy. Um, so, so why did it change that what what changed for you at the community college the community college what left what what opened me up was options so it yeah. allowed me to structure what i liked so yeah. what what classes i was taking what were my interests so where high school was like you have to do this and this yeah. and this and this college was like well what do you want to do i just i'm wish, like man i high school should be that like junior high should be you learn all your bullshit, right? Like yeah. here's how you fucking whatever the I don't even remember what you learn in junior high, but some stupid math shit. Yeah. Uh where the countries are and who the yeah. presidents were, right? Great. Now you know that. High school should be where you figure out who the fuck you are and what you want to do. Like if you like art, you should be able to tailor it to art. If you like finance, if you like it just kills me how it seems like once again I'm not running for president trying to change the world here, even though I could probably win at the current state of events. But um <laughs> 
you could fix so many issues by steering people through high school. Because a lot of people, it sounds like when I do these interviews, people either go wrong after high school because high school derailed them and made them hate authority and hate education, or it's after that they find their thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Never, I haven't heard one story of a kid being like, listen, my social studies teacher in ninth grade got my life on track. Mm. Never. I've never heard that story. Yeah. Right? It's always, I don't know, being able to somehow foster like, here's what a, here's what a kid has in him. You know, look at how he's dressing. Look at how he's at, Look at what his interests are. Let's cater to that. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, go ahead. You know, it's true. It's true. You, you, you typically don't hear that story, that high school story that, oh, my high school, you know. Yeah, like it was calculus when I really found, found myself. <laughs> You've never heard that yeah. story, right? Yeah. I don't think. And, and uh, if there's any teachers out there listening, you know, take, take, definitely take note. Yeah. And, and I would say like, and just to put it out there, because I don't want to ever put bad things into the universe, but even if you're like a calculus teacher, it's, to me, it's about like, you have a duty to pay attention to the lives that you're sculpting and like what people's interests are. That's it. I just think like running kids through a system yeah. that may be outdated or broken or whatever you have a duty to steer these lives in the right direction. Yeah, I had one guidance counselor that, that told me, Steve, why are you fucking up, bro? Yeah. Like, you're not stupid. Yeah. Why are you fucking up? Yeah. And I remember that guidance counselor told me that junior year in high school, and that really stuck with me mm-hmm. years later. And, and I, I was listening to his podcast from Gary Vee, yep. and he tells people that, that he was interviewing somebody who's in education system, and he said, look, grab whatever kid you can. It's not about scale yeah. one kid yeah tell them they're special tell them they have something yeah so and you'll see where where, where, I'll, where i'll take that later yeah please <clears throat> so so now i'm in now i'm in college right yep i'm taking acting courses i'm now <clears throat> i'm a peer leader i am now still playing basketball i'm still high yeah i'm still completely still, high st- just to be clear i'm <laughs> just still to, high <laughs> i'm still high like it's crazy yeah. and now so what I started to do is like, I'm like, okay, cool. What I noticed was that the girls in college like you when you're smart. Oh, yeah. That's a big change. Big change. They like the ones who are skipping in high school. Yeah. And the ones who are getting good grades in college. Yeah. Damn it. And since I was two years older, I already had a little bit more like, I was already more closer to a man. Yes. Because it took me six years to get there. 100%. So I was coming in with the kids who are just like two years younger than me. I'm like, yeah, I got this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. So I quickly oh, became... Oh, yeah, you're the old bad boy. I'm the old you bad I mean? boy. Like he's, oh, it took him six years to finish high school, <laughs> but he's really on his shit right now. He's really smart. I like that, Steve. <laughs> you know what I mean? I could see that. I'm, I'm painting the picture. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So we're, we're there, and I take this critical thinking course uh, by a gentleman, John Chafee, which was incredible, uh-huh. um, and made me think. Mm-hmm. You know, now I'm thinking, and I'm like, holy shit, okay. So, <clears throat> I become public relations governor of the, of the school. I have an office in the school now. Wow. Which, of course, my friend is bringing girls to the office, right? As he should. Sorry, LaGuardia. Yep. Um, don't give us offices. Happens in every business. Yeah. <laughs> and the White House. In the White House. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I don't feel so bad. Every public office people are bringing girls to. Yeah. And I get through my first year, and I'm a 4.0 student. Wow. So... Imagine first like, year, you said first year. Holy cow. So all straight A's. Yeah. Imagine just like the world works. The world it works. It was like all of a sudden the world works. Um, I get into second year and I now then get into a special program 
where it was called the Exploring Transfer Program, where they took the top 15 brightest kids in New York City, Mm -hmm. and they took us to uh, Vassar College, which is part of the Seven Sisters, which is a lot where the Kennedy's kids went. Got it. So it was like Yale, Brown, Vassar. So now I'm still high. Yeah, still, yeah. But I'm in Poughkeepsie. Yeah. And I'm in a college with billions of dollars of endowment. Yeah. So I'm studying in rooms full lined of 24 karat gold. Right? Yeah. I'm in. Just high as shit. Like, what the high, fuck? Right? This shit's gold. It's gold. <laughs> I'm in a campus where they had a Shakespeare garden where every single plant mentioned in any Shakespeare book is there. Wow. They have a satellite that only seven people in the world are allowed access to. Uh-huh. And instead of having a class typically in college where you have 30 students, there's only 15. Wow. And there's only 15, and there's two professors. So it's like this utopia of education experiment. Yeah. They're like, I'm going to take the brightest kids, and I'm going to give them the best yeah. education in the world. And see what happens. And I'm going to amplify it yeah. by like half the class, double the teachers. Yeah. How interesting. So I felt like Galileo. Like, I'm like, I'm Michelangelo. I'm like, just like walking around in a white robe. Yes. You're you a know, mixture in my of Mark mind. Echo and like Steve Jobs and Galileo. It's crazy. Like you, and I'm just like high Steve Galileo and I'm high. <laughs> and of course, there was a ballerina uh, school session happening on campus. Uh-huh. So we're just trying to get the ballerinas. As you should. Yeah. We're going driving to downtown Poughkeepsie, which is scary as fuck. Really? Right? Yeah, it's like a crack town. It was crazy. It's huh. so crazy. Wow. And then there's like this, you know, Utopia, which is the campus yeah. of Vassar. And we would drink St. Ives and Fruit Punch. Yeah. So what they did, which is interesting, which is an interesting test, they made us study one book a day. You had to read the whole book and you had to have a report, a six-page to eight-page report due the next day. Jesus. So I, I got there. They gave you eight books. And they're like, the first four are due this week and you have four reports due this week. So literally it was like what you think somebody doing tech crunching where they're coding. You've seen yeah. kids code like, like wired so in. like wired in. Yeah. It was literally that. So the counselors are there looking at us. We're like, holy shit, we're in this incredible thirty thousand dollar program. Like we have to succeed. Yeah. We're all overachievers. It was literally like born like legacy like something like Jason Bourne. It's and just- we're there and we're finishing up and literally you we wake up and you have a six page report in your hand. Man, what kills me is the difference of when I'm painting this picture in my brain, that versus like standing outside of high school high with a crazy outfit on, like hollering at girls, working on your breakdancing skills. Like that's, (laughs) we're talking like a four year, three year difference and you're in a completely different world. That's crazy. So did that like. So that's why I said to go back to it. Yeah. Why? You're right. If I didn't have the high school diploma... Yeah, you're right. Thank God. Thank God for that. Because if not, I wouldn't have the experience. I wouldn't be here today. Yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah, no chance. No chance. And here's what's interesting about that is... Because I always try to like uh, ask the question that I guess there's not even really an answer to. But like, it was simply something in your brain. Because it wasn't your mom's pressure. It wasn't... Mm-hmm. It was something in your brain that said, I got to at least get this GED. Had you simply... Just had a little bit of a difference that would have been like, you know what, man, fuck school. I don't need school. Yeah. It would have been a whole different thing. Oh. And it's like, I, I, that's what's so interesting to me is like, whatever it is in you, there's something in there that just pushed you over the edge to then be able to level up and go to the next level. Or else you would have just been maybe still in Queens, just super good at dancing. 
right now. Like, you know what I mean? Just like, yo, my, my dude Steve, yeah, you would have been breakdance Steve yeah. instead of sneaker Steve. Yeah. And you would have just breaking been, Steve. Yeah, just killing it. <laughs> Damn it. So, what happens from there? What happens when you put yourself through this crazy oh, genius boot camp? Yeah, it's a genius. How do you come out? Yeah, it's a genius boot camp. Now I'm like, wow, I'm special. Yep. I'm special because my the two courses I was taking was plant density and aggregation, Jesus. where we had waterproof instruments that we were studying uh-huh. biology in, uh-huh. and the other one was sociology. So you can just imagine yeah. my life changed. Yeah. Then I come back. I kill it the second year at college, mm-hmm. and I graduate five Theta Kappa. Yeah. I get part of the mock Senate program. So now I'm going to Albany to pass legislature for the day. Yeah. Right? I'm tutoring one of the congressmen of the Bronx. He's my student. I become a peer leader. I start to teach ESL, which is English as a second language, career development. So now I'm teaching 40-year-old people how to find their journey and their careers in life. Are you still high? I'm still high. (laughs) (laughs) Just had to clarify. Are you still like heavy on the dressing, or did you sort of tone down oh, the even swag? more? Okay, okay. Oh, the swag is on on like Swagzilla. Okay, it's like it's it. like now I'm just an embodiment of like. I just can't imagine being like a forty year old. Like uh, I'm just picturing like a forty year old <laughs> square white dude, and like this guy just walking in, like smelling like weed, and like, listen, old man, I'm gonna teach you some shit. You know what it was? Is that I had. I've always been able to adapt. I mean, this is part of the survival skills. Yeah. So I had my teaching vibe yeah. when I was in a suit. I always looked good in a suit. Got it. So you switched it up. Switched it up. Okay. Right? And then after was crazy. So I would then make sure. So this is me now. So now I'm in college. This, now I'm the buyer of the sneaker store. Oh, so yeah. I have my brand. Yeah. I'm the buyer of the sneaker store. We're doing the dance competitions at the school. Yeah. I'm a public relations governor of the college. Yeah. I come from this academic. I'm killing it. I'm like, yeah, I'm walking through the halls. Like, just hand, like I need extra hands. Yes. Like just for handshakes, Holy side by side, right? Hell yeah. And then from there, I'm like, okay, cool. What's my next step? And I was like, I'm going to go to a four-year school. Uh-huh. So I write this incredible letter to NYU. Yeah. And I tell them, look, it's midnight. I don't even own a computer, which I didn't, which is true. Mm-hmm. I'm writing this to you from the lab, and I tell them my story. Uh-huh. I don't even know if they just started clapping. Like, I would have received <laughs> yeah. the shit. Like, it was just like one of those moments. Yeah. So I don't know if you know about NYU, but out of a course, like, let's say the, the class of, they'll only take in 30 students. Got it. So there's kids applying from all around the world to NYU. Every they take year. 30. Yeah. Wow. It's crazy. You know, yeah. it's just such a high level. So I get accepted. Wow. So now I go to NYU and my life changes. So now I'm in, in New York University. I'm taking entrepreneurship classes at Stern. This is the beginning of the dot-com phase. Yep. So now you're getting closer to the millennium to 2000. Yep. The store is going good. I'm actually now selling Gauzy to stores on the west coast so i'm flying to this is pre-internet so yeah yeah i'm flying to the west coast selling to fred siegel yeah with my friends i meet rob and rich from creative recreation yeah which were at force which were at vans before creative recreation started yeah i was meeting all the guys dennis yeah and emil from crooks and castles but it wasn't crooks and castles it was landscape Wow. I'll give you guys history now. Yeah. So this is before the brand. That's real. Yeah. Right. Is, so yeah. it was called Landscape. Yeah. And 
I was the first store before the internet to bring these West Coast brands, alphanumeric, landscape, creative recreation, the first store in New York on the East Coast to bring these brands. Was it the sneaker store where you were? Correct. Yeah. And that's how. It just came from making trips out here, meeting these guys, and being like, we got to bring this over. That's it. Because I was selling my brand, and they were helping me get into Fred Siegel and stores like that, which is a huge deal. It's just crazy, man. It's like (laughs) it's crazy to even think about how number one, we're all. I mean, I guess it seems like a long time. I mean, it's we're saying seventeen years, but the difference of like where now you launch a brand and it blows up on Instagram, and everybody knows about it, and there is no such thing as like. Like, it sounds like fucking Christopher Columbus when you talk about coming to the West Coast <laughs> and bringing back alphanumeric, right? It sounds that, that, like, that was look at what I brought literally from the that's, West. That's literally Christopher Columbus. Yes. It's like, I, I brought this, I brought gifts to trade from yeah. the West. And like, it's like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> it was the Silk Road. It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah It's yeah. just interesting, man. I don't, like I said, I don't want to be one of those people that's like caught in the past, but it makes me miss it. Like, it no. makes me miss, there's a discovery element to it that's so exciting. Um, I just can't imagine walking into a store now and discovering something from the West LA, Coast. you know, in New York and being like, what is this? And being able to be put onto it. It's like now it's like, oh, what's that thing that so-and-so is wearing at what? What's the hashtag? You know what I mean? You see the whole shit. And, you're like, oh, and knowing that you can't get it. Yeah. That was the mystique of that time. Yeah. So you, during that time is when Nike SB came out. Yeah. So the, the story of, of, the, of the store, how I got the Nike SB account. So at that time it was only Supreme. Dave's quality, me and me. Uh-huh. The way I grew up, which is randomly how I even got to meet you at DC, yeah. my entrance to skate was that in that building uh-huh. that had the rock group, the break dancers, yep. there was also a clique of skaters. Mm-hmm. But they were weird. Because uh-huh. you're growing up in the middle of hip hop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to see a skater was like, like what, what the, the fuck, fuck are you is doing? that? Yeah. yeah. One of my business partners who wrote Sayre went to art and design high school with the owners of PMB. Uh huh. One of those guys was also Chi, and the other one was <clears throat> Peter Bisi, uh-huh. who then later was a part of Kids, the movie. Yeah, yeah. Right? So it's Peter Hahn, Peter Bisi, Harold Hunter. Yeah. So that's the creation of that. So it's like this other side. So yeah. while I'm going to NYU, my superintendent, which is the, the gentleman who, like, let's say my landlord, yep. his son, the best friend was Gio from Supreme. Wow. So as a young kid... I, not by knowing, just because the older guy was, you know, I was a young kid. Yeah. I happened to know skateboarding royalty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I grew up and went to NYU, this is when Supreme in the early, late 90s, early 1000s was when you would see Japanese kids lining outside, being like out of Supreme, dying to buy something. Yeah. Gio would look at them and be like, yo, Steve, what up? What do you want? Oh, man. There would be a line of Japanese kids asking like, can I buy four? Can I buy six? Yeah. Like, sold out. Steve, what do you want? You want two? Yeah. You want three? Yeah. I don't know. Sold out. <laughs> or what do you want? Oh, Steve, here's, so for me, it's free. Yeah. To them, it's sold out. Amazing. <laughs> Fucking amazing. Not, not, only, not only amazing that, like, to be able to see that, at, like, understand that stuff at a yeah. young age, but, like, the fact that those motherfuckers have been able to do that for so long. I mean, it's still, I feel like the oh. same thing would happen probably on the next drop this week nicer. down they're, the they're, street. They're sweet. Yeah. They're nice. Now they're nice. Man. The, back then was different. But for that long to be able to run shit like that is crazy. Well, the lines are still there. The, the demand is crazy. Yeah, Supreme, no. what they've done for that much time is incredible. But to experience it at the essence, yep. to see Harold and Peter, to, to see the movie Kids being filmed yeah. in Washington Square Park. 
you know, which is across the street from NYU where I went to school. Yeah. So I was like, holy shit, this skate stuff is cool. Mm -hmm. And I would come here to the West Coast and I would see like my guys designing kind of coming from skate brands. Yeah. Because Emil was at DC Shoes at the time. Yeah. And Emil hits me up because I had the illest fitteds of New Era. Uh Everybody. So Chad Shoes, whoever knew me was like, yo, Steve's the New York Connect. Yeah. Because once again, you couldn't get the Yankee hat. So what I would do is I would flip like, imagine like a micro suede brown outline of the Clippers logo on a New Era hat. Yeah. Yeah. Kids would go crazy. And would you bring it out here? No. They would have to to go to New York or I would ship it. So Emil hits me up and he's like, yo, Steve, man, we, you know, at DC, we got Stevie Williams and fucking Ken is pissed because he he doesn't wear New Era. He only wears New Era. Yeah. And we have a head to toe contract with him and he won't wear a hat. Yeah. Like Stevie Williams, like we need a fucking DC logo on him, right? And I'm like, all right, cool. So I pitch from the store, Uh the executive senior vice president staff of New Era. Uh It takes me two years to do the deal. And I, after two years, after I've already given up, they send me a letter and they're like, Steve, we want to do it. To make a DC New Era. So to make a DC Shoes New Era. Wow. So the first action sports community brand to do a deal with New Era was DC Shoes. Through the deal I created at my store. Wow. After that, it became... Travis Barker, yeah, which was then on the MTV show, yeah, which we sold thousands upon thousands of hats. Yeah. Then after that was Monster, then Red Bull, then Diamond, then Supreme, yeah. then Huff, and everybody. And then now you have to do it. And that deal, within two to three years, for the first time in New Era's history, did a, a lot of things. One, it for the first time legitimized the action sports industry working with New Era. Yeah. Two, it legitimized me as a player. To be able to make deals at that level. Yeah, 100%. That's huge. Did you get any like royalty type thing or no? No. Just for the love of the game. It was just for the love of the game. Yeah. Stupid. Kids, no love of the game. Yeah. Be smart. But you got, here's the trick though. (laughs) Here's the lesson is like you, however, I benefited a great deal. Yeah. Like you got to be smart, very calculated. Because we're, once again, where a lot of people go wrong is they have the deal in the bag and then they say, well, no, I'm going to need 10 points on every hat sold. And they're like, okay, never mind. And like, well, no, you know who I am? Like, well, not yet. So there's a sweet spot, but maybe even have you, had you taken like 1%. Well, the truth is, is that I was helping a friend. Yeah. Two is that I was 22 years old, 23 years old. Yeah. So I didn't have that kind of like, let me get a point. Yeah, no yeah, Let me get a back end yeah. deal. And it paid off. And it paid off huge. And I also didn't know that in three years, it would be 60 to $70 million SBU unit yep. for New Era, yeah. which is now their Irvine campus. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know I was going to create that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And what it let me do was, at that time, Wayne was the creative director of DC Shoes, and he was like, look, Steve, we're looking to expand onto the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Because at that time, when I was going to NYU, I would go to Blades and buy DCs. Yep. So I was rocking DCs that Sung and Wayne were designing. For the Japan market, but they were also expanding it to the East Coast, which is like copies of a dunk. Yep. And I remember that. I started to wear them. So I opened up a DC Shoes account, uh-huh. and I was selling so many DC Shoes to the hood. Really? That DC Shoes came to close me down because they thought I was backdooring the goods. Really? So they thought I was like a, a, a black account, you yeah. know, like, like kind of like some blacklisted or like, yeah. you know, some backdoor account. Yeah. 
they come in and I'm like, look, guys. This is legit. This is legit. You know that new era thing? I'm kind of the guy. I don't, know, <laughs> I don't know if you remember that or not, but I'm, I'm the guy who did that. So they come in and I'm like, look, just come to my store. Yeah. They sit down and within 15 minutes, I sell seven pairs of shoes. Mm-hmm. Which in any skate shop, you're lucky if you sell seven shoes a, a week. A week yeah. in, a, in like a remote area, you yeah. know, like 100%. 15 minutes. Yep. They just saw the register, like out the boxes, the shoes, and just. They're like, who the fuck are you? Like, why are you even doing this? And I'm like, yo, I like them. So then Wayne calls me a little bit after, and he's like, yo, Steve, we have the whole executive team of DC Shoes in New York. We're going to do a deal where we would like you. Actually, no, it's not a deal. He's like, we would like you to present to the whole staff. About what? About the market, positioning, how to expand, price point, colors, everything. Basically a dissertation on, they mean, they knew I was in fashion already and I was a retailer. So they're like, I want you to do a competitive analysis of our brand and a present to our whole senior executive team of 60 plus employees. And did you feel like, uh, what the fuck? Or were you like, easy? I was like, was your, you know, like, were you like, because not in a bad way, but I guess what I'm getting at is like, at that time, do you have so much steam and so much momentum that you're like, absolutely, I'll do that. Or was it like, your fucking executive team? What do you mean? I was I was already a businessman. Yep. 22, 23. I like that. That's what I like, was hoping. Remember, I was already coming from Vassar, yep. NYU. I went to Stern School. I took class at Stern School of Business. Like, yep. I was a beast. Yep. I was a 22-year-old beast yep. already. Yeah, that's what I wanted. For my story in my head, I wanted <laughs> you to be like, fuck, y'all show them what's yep. up. And I wasn't high. Yeah. Oh, did this stopped. end? The- wow. So college, after college, stopped completely. There's the moment. I and, knew that that moment in the story was coming. That's yeah. why I kept checking in. I yeah. knew it would be like, and at this point, I was no longer high. No longer high. Yep. And I was going for it. So now I give the presentation. I could literally just drop the mic. I fucking killed it. Yeah. Like, I was just going. Yeah. That has to feel good. I've never really done, like, anything on like big like that. I mean, I've talked to, like, management groups at, like, Paxson and Tilly's and those guys, yeah. but nothing where you're, like, saying, hey, here's how the shit works to a large group of people, and then you feel that, like, mic drop moment at the end. That has to feel good. Well, it felt good, which is one of my mentors till today is Dan McCarthy, mm-hmm. who is a senior vice president of D.C. He comes up to me. At that time, Quicksilver had just acquired D.C. Shoes, yeah. um, and he comes to me, and he's like, look, Steve, I've heard of your name before. I've heard of Sneaker Steve while I was at Nike. Would you like to do this again? Mm-hmm. And I did. And from there, I did it again and again. And it became all a consulting for DC. job. All for DC. Yeah. Started to consult so much that the amount of money I was making from the consulting was so high yeah. that I said to them at that point, I was like, look, I had, remember this, I had a store. Now I'm selling at Bloomingdale's. Yeah. I'm manufacturing in Portugal. I have the store. I now have DC Shoes as a consultant. We're also consulting for Anichi and, and other brands. Uh-huh. Jordan Brand is calling me in to do talks to Wyden and Kennedy. And I gained a lot of weight. Yeah. I was just like, I had two phones. I had a two-way pager. I was just like, yeah. I was just in hustle mode and I wasn't healthy. Yep. And I was making a lot of money in the store. And I just said to myself, look, I don't want to do this. I I just want to do one thing. I want to test. What if I do one thing? Yeah. And he was like, come on, Steve, you're Steve. Like, you're not going to do one thing. It's yeah. just everything against you. Yep. 
and I kept on and I kept on and I kept on till my friend Ryan Cross was working there, who's now was part of Reebok, and I think now he's something else. Yep. And our other good friend, John Buscemi. Yep, good old John. So John was my salesman at Clay Footwear. Wow. So I knew him at the store because he would sell me clay. Yeah. And he was a skater. Uh-huh. And John's like, yo, Steve, like, yo, I'm going to help make this happen. So, it's, so I have Wayne, Ryan Cross, the sales team, John Buscemi. They're all like, yo, you got to fucking hire Sneaker Steve. Uh-huh. And the senior vice president already knew me. Yep. So I'm like, and now they're like, okay, we got a sales meeting in Italy. So now I'm 24, 25 years old. And I'm going to Italy for the first time during the Winter Olympics wow. with the whole sales team of DC Shoes. Yeah. With the money of Quicksilver, you know, because now it's big. Yeah, now it's real, yeah. Now it's real. Uh-huh. And they, they bring me into this law cabin, and, and the new president is there, the senior VP, and they offer me the global director position because the, the shift of DC, when it went from like 90 to 500, 600 million, which yep. I was a part of, yep. was that shift. We're going to think global and act local yeah so dc shoes is no longer this carlsbad company this is a global company we're going to think globally and we're going to act locally yeah so the position of the executives that got hired which is brilliant coming from their management team was like we're going to think of the world now yeah we're not going to just think centric of just socal yeah i got offered the global director position of the company and at 26 years old i make headlines in the daily news Huge picture of me in the Sunday edition. Uh-huh. My phone is going crazy. Everyone's like, holy shit, Steve. So there's a picture like this of me. It's all these DC shoes around me. I'm at the showroom and there's says, in a global market, he's a shoe in. Whoa. <laughs> whoa, yeah. I mean, fucking whoa. <laughs> fucking whoa. Were people already calling you Sneaker Steve? Yeah. That's oh, an- so that was just like, I mean, if you can picture like the dream for a guy named Sneaker Steve, it's... Yeah. A shoe pun on the Daily Mail Sunday edition. Totally. Like that had to be like, holy fuck. I made it. I made it. And which was cool, which I didn't mention, is that two years prior to that, and actually a big part, actually what I missed in the story, which is crazy, was such a big part of my story, is that while I was NYU, I asked my friend Bill to come up with a business plan because at that time the dot-coms were coming up. So kids were actually... I was sitting next to dot-com millionaires yeah. at NYU Stern yeah. in the entrepreneurship class. I asked one of the head guys that did the best business plans to come up. I was like, look, I know this billionaire real estate guy. He's buying up brands. I want to sell gauzy to him. Yeah. So prior to DC Shoes, I had already signed my first million-dollar deal. Wow. And I told him, I said, Bill, look, if you do, I don't know how to do cash flow reports or financials. Yeah. If you do this deal for me, I'll give you $10,000. I didn't even know what to pay for a cash flow fund, yeah. but it just sounded big and yeah, it sounded right. It sounds good. At yeah. 25. And yeah. when you get a million, you're like, fuck it, I'll pay. Let me tell you this. It's stupid, but I was just in a meeting right before this at Paramount, and we're trying to do a collaboration with Clueless. I don't know if I should make that public, but whatever. And the lady was talking about the terms, and she was like, well, what would your terms be? Uh, you know, What's your royalty rate? And blah, blah, blah. And I kind of go yeah. through and sell off period and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, well, what about your uh, guarantee? You know, what, What's the guarantee? And I said, yeah. um, 
how about $10,000? And, <laughs> and she said, all right, that'll work. And, and I was small. like, all right, $10,000. Yeah, but it's $10,000, yeah. <laughs> that's the number. Oh, my There's God. something about 10000 where it just, it's the very beginning of starting to feel legit. You know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to relate. But <laughs> so You're the, right, but 10000 feels real. It's, it's, like just, it's the first 10, number 000. that feels real. Yeah. You know, 9000 is kind of like, yeah. come on, man, this is a big yeah. thing here. Yeah. $10,000, eh, yeah. you got a deal. But imagine somebody at 25. Yeah. And yeah. <clears throat> so... I get the million dollars. We get the budget. Wow. I now have, and I can't believe I completely forgot this. No, no, no. Go ahead. So this is before DC Shoes. Yeah. Hence why I was already a beast. Yeah. Like, uh, now I'm hiring the head of sales of Sean John. I'm like, well, what do you cost? 120, 140, 150? Let's figure that out. Man. 25 year old saying, I'm going to hire you. That's not, at even six the figures. confidence to do that. Like, you have to feel like you're Bill Gates to do that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you can't negotiate numbers like that with somebody unless you are really. It's hard. I've even and, done it a lot now. And, even and you have the budget. It. Yeah. So now I have the showroom in Times Square. Mm-hmm. So now my showroom, my office, I'm inviting my childhood friends, some of my best friends like DJ Camillo from Hot 97. I'm like, yo, Camillo, come through. Yeah. Come through to my showroom on Times Square. Yeah, I got a 42nd million budget. Holler at me. Holler at me. <laughs> come through. Everybody. I'm hiring. I'm getting talent. We're launching. Wow. And we had had the brand at that point for over 10 years. Yeah. We signed a deal. Within, I want to say, 12 months, the first 12 months are amazing. The second six months after that into year two, I start to see something get a little funky. Yep. The owner of the brand or the investor, because we were the owners, but our partner in the brand starts to act a little weird. Uh-huh. At that time, brands were making so much money that Mind you, this is just to put in perspective, this is the Rockaware, Sean John, You're 300 huge. million, 500 million. Yeah. If you didn't hit 10 million your first year, you're out. Yep. So I see him. I'm like, look, we're opening up the best accounts. And I'm like, look, we're not going to sell downstream our first year yeah. because you want a projection. Yep. So we fight. It gets crazy. It's just terrible. Yep. And literally within like the second year, it's Xerox machines are out. Office yeah, is closed. Yeah. People are getting pink slips. They're Huge, getting fired. Yeah. Like, I can't hire people. Yep. And I'm 25 years old with inventory. There's buttons coming in from China yeah. with, with the brand name on it yep. with no home. Yep. There's stores that owe money to. Yep. And I was like, And that's a huge, fuck. like, for people listening, anyone who ever wants to get into a lot of businesses, but especially apparel, that's such a common thing thing with taking on money right because when you start and you're just let's say you're growing let's say whatever year one you do a million year two you do three million you're growing healthy amazing yeah the only person you have to answer to is yourself and you're happy and you're making more money as soon as you bring on money now all of a sudden people are asking for projections and for hitting your marks and for well this didn't and they will pull you i mean i've seen so many brands take on money and you don't grow at the speed that they wanted you to and it ends up killing your brand where you would have been maybe alive now you once again luckily for you or or because you are who you are you ended up fine but a lot of people that has killed their careers from taking on money and from getting overwhelmed and getting shut down exactly yeah anyway lesson huge lesson learned there okay so back to what was it? Shoe in. Back to the shoe in daily uh, newspaper. Uh, newspaper Sunday edition. Now you're off to DC. Does that mean you have to move to Carlsbad? It does. So <laughs> you're from, and you had never lived on the West Coast before, right? I mean, you've been here never. a lot, but never. I didn't even know how to drive. 
Really? I didn't know how to drive. He had no license. No license. So this is it. <laughs> so you're packing up. You're fucking killing it. You're moving to Carlsbad. You're about to change the game for DC. Yeah. So that, that year, what I had to do was make a shift in my life. So after the, the brand Gauzy went down, yep. I had to relaunch another company. So I helped rebrand the company Members Only. Yep. Remember the Members Only jackets? I sure do, yeah. And they sold millions of dollars of jackets. So what I did was take all of the Members Only jackets, and because I had the sneaker store, I knew the panels of the, of the new Nikes that were dropping. Yep. So I paneled the jackets for uh, the first time to match the Air Forces or the new shoes that were coming out. That's good. And we sold them to all the best department stores in the world. You know what I didn't realize until recently is that Members Only is a brand. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I thought Members Only was like the AK-47 jacket. Like, I thought it was Got like it. AK-47. Like, I thought it was a Members Only jacket. I didn't realize that Members Only was a brand that sells a shit ton of stuff and licenses a lot, right? Uh, I mean, it was, it was incredible. It was, it was basically like I needed to do something right after that. Yeah. So I think for the, for, for, the, for the listeners listening, it's important that if something goes bad, because I was shooting for the stars. Yeah. In two years, it went bad, and I immediately got back on my feet. Yeah, you got to. Because yeah. I thought, like, in my head, I said, look, what can I do? Yep. And since I was consulting for companies, I immediately amplified that. And when I got the DC job going to Carlsbad, I had to then stop that. Got it. And I created a team that was part of my team because we had a consulting firm at the time. Yep. And they took care of that. And I said, guys, I'm going to go to D.C. I told the store, too. Yep. Hey, guys, I'm moving. So that was your one thing. I'm going to go down to one thing. That was your one thing. That was my one thing. So I get to Carlsbad. Now I'm, I'm Sneaker Steve, right? Like, yeah. So I'm crazy. I'm like, my outfits are on fire. Yeah. And I go to Carlsbad. Yeah. Where you're going to see they white do not socks, dress like that. Yeah. black suede, yep. flat bills. Like, me walking into the D.C. office should have been a TV show. Yeah. Like, just me walking into that office. Just odd was... man out. Yeah. <laughs> Queens comes I, to Carlsbad. Yeah, Queens comes to Carlsbad. <laughs> yeah. So I, I go, and they're like, holy shit. Like, whatever. But it was me. Yeah. So it was not like me trying to be that. It was me. Yeah. And I would come into the meetings fresh, where everyone was in flip-flops and sandals and, like, surf shorts. Yep. I was literally in head-to-toe designer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> going into the office. That's one thing I got to give you credit for, too, is I've never once looked at you or any of your crazy outfits and felt like you were trying too hard. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, it's totally. truly like an extension of who you are. Like, yeah. if I saw you in a white tee and jeans, I'd be like, Steve, what is wrong? <laughs> like, what happened to you? Yeah. Right? It just, I don't know. You do it. You do it. It's a part of who you are. Did you feel like, uh, was there anything intimidating or anxious or like out of place about it or did you have this confidence about I it i was i was literally tom hanks in, in in like in the movie yeah you know it was literally like i'm in my life is like to play with sneakers yeah i got paid a lot of money yeah to go into a conference room full of sneakers yeah and so you were doing mostly like, what does that entail? Like, is it mostly speeches and talking to salespeople and talking to people like that? Or what's so the majority of your yeah, time spent in, in on? In the beginning, so when I first got hired, it was a me being part of what they wanted to start, which is the lifestyle division. Yep. So it was me and John Bashemi, and we designed the CADs. We would create the colorways. So to be specific, Joseph and Tom or Wayne or Sung, whoever was designing at the time would give us the shoes. And then it was up to me and John to color them up, yep. come up with concepts, colorways for them, 
do the merchandising, pick the right styles. Yeah. And as an executive already, because I had owned my, my own company, I'd already raised you know a million dollars. They quickly saw that I had skills to be an executive. Yeah. So then I was promoted to the global director. Got it. So I my responsibility was to oversee the lifestyle division of DC Shoes. Got it. So working side by side on programs that Ken and Damon had created with, let's say, for the remix series with Mike Shinoda or with Travis Barker, um, and then take it, create product lines, and then sell them to the world. Yeah. Those are more the remix programs. And then on the side of artist programs is working with Damon closely on creating actually legitimate business models that could fit into distribution. So helping DC at that time get into stores that they couldn't. So for example, we work with uh, JB Classics who got, you know, literally from a DC shoes going in from Journeys to Barney's or doing launches with the DC team in Paris at Colette or Dover Street Market. You know, we were creating the first New Era sneaker shoe in history. Mind you, at this time, this is while Travis has his show on TV. Yeah. Right? And Rob yeah. is starting on TV. Jesus Christ. So it's an exciting time. That whole office had to just be buzzing with like Buzzing. We are just buzzing. Because that is when they went from essentially 90-ish million to 500 million. So I was part. There was the executive team that was hired during that time. Uh, we made history. Yeah. We took my, I got DC Shoes into the first trade show. Uh, on the East Coast, so like the project show, yeah. the high-end trade shows, because I had come from a high-end background. I was selling at Fred Siegel and Bloomingdale's Designer. Yeah. So I was able to use leverage my contacts to get them into designer shows. Yep. And the first trade show, which you've been to many trade shows, yeah. I came back with a book of 297 account leads. Uh-huh. So I'm like, here, guys. Yep. Do something with this. Do something with this. <laughs> yeah. And we, at that time, they were like, Steve, just go. So that's when me and you met. Yeah. And at that time, I had a a huge budget, and I would be in Miami. I would be in Chicago. I would be in L.A. I would be in New York. I would be in Paris. I would go to Germany. I would go to Australia. I would be in Korea. On your own time schedule, right? My own time schedule. It was was our program. It was lifestyle. We did the first Sir shoe. Um, the first Mighty Healthy shoe, the first Lamar and Dolly shoes. We were doing all these collaborations within our culture and bringing them out. And then with Damon's super uber network. Yep. So we were having, you know, parties and just, you know, chilling in Chinatown with cause. Yeah. You know, is this like the, is this the dream scenario of like you have the company card and like you're in Miami just kind of balling out a little bit or? Oh, totally. Oh, I love it. Totally. Those you days know, are just kind of over too. Over. Like, you know, like there was like the, even, um. Like once I always reference LRG because I put them as kind of one of the last ones, but like yeah. even their marketing teams had company cards and just were going nuts and like those were just the days. Yeah, man. and they were seeing the revenue. Yeah. So anytime, oh, so the, yeah. anytime I would go out, it would just be like sales. Yep. And more importantly, what they were doing is one is creating a business structure, so it solidified the actual special projects. Yep. And it was actually a real business. Yeah. And then also they were taking all of our ideas trickling them down the main line two years later yep. and then making millions of dollars with the ideas that we were starting from the top of the pyramid yeah, down. Yeah, 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 yeah. You were like the spearhead. Man, <laughs> what a, just a fun time. You know what I mean? Like that just... Yeah, it was... something that, once again, I, I think is 
gone um, that existed about the apparel business just explosion. I referenced it in somebody else's podcast. I forget who it was, but like where it's like it was like signing a record deal. Like it was just like meaning meaning like you just had a budget and you as you and your crew and you're at clubs and you're at all the it parties and it's just everything's blowing up and everything's like, big. Yeah, the trade shows were huge and it was who can show off the most and who has the craziest booth and like it just it was such a cool time. You know, it was incredible. I mean, we took DC's lifestyle program. We launched at one of the first agendas. Yeah, you know, I know that you had Aaron on the podcast. Yes, he's thanked me to this day. Yeah, you know, for me to bring in DC shoes at that time. To, you know the massive DC shoes to little uh-huh. agenda, and we were like below like this weird little side room. Yeah, was a big deal. Hundred percent. But like what Aaron was saying was like it was just what we did. It was the culture we were living it. Yeah. So we didn't care that it wasn't. Yeah. It was just a cool thing to do. Yeah. And we opened up all these amazing accounts, um, and it was it was my first taste of living in California. Um, I was still not driving. Yeah, I I took a, a a car or a cab or a limo or a black car wherever I went. Yeah, even to L.A. Like it was like I went. I just didn't know how to it, drive. Yeah, just living like a king though, too. <laughs> you know, before Uber, like before I just Uber, a black car for the day. Yeah, fuck. Did you um? What about like L.A. life? Did you did you settle in? I mean, you wouldn't move back to New York full time, would you now? Uh, no. And did you do you feel like you? You fell in love with LA life or, or or California life. Well, what happened was that at that time, so I'm making a lot of money. Yeah, I'm I'm now 255 pounds. Jesus, about 80 pounds more than I am now. I don't remember that. Were you yeah. that Were you that big when I met you? Uh, I started coming down a little bit. Got it. So at the peak, I was 255 pounds, and I'm like, this shit is not cool. Yeah, like this is not sexy at all. Uh-huh. And I started to go to LA. On the trips on the weekend because Carlsbad, I was dying in Carlsbad. I was like, this shit is crazy. It's 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 dark at six p.m. Yeah, it's not the funnest place. To not live. the funnest place, no. especially if you you already know my history. One hundred percent. Yeah. Um. So I go and I'm like going the weekends to L.A. I'm coming to the weekends to L.A. and I'm like, wow, I love it. And I connect with my friends and I was just enamored by Hollywood. Yep. I you know just action, action. Yep. You know, and and the glitz of it. And I always looked at the markets as multiple billion dollar markets in my mind. Yeah. I look at it like, okay, I know the hip hop industry and I have that check. Yeah. I have a designer brand. So I know how to sell to designer luxury stores. Check. Yeah. I now transition into the skateboarding world. Check. Yeah. Another building industry. Yeah. Yeah. Hollywood. Yeah, that's a big Whoa, one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Man. So you could see me turning. Yep. And this is when the story gets gets real. Like it gets it gets good. Let's go. Yeah, like, so let's go. now um I quit DC shoes. Why? Uh because I wanted more and yep. I thought that I saw something bigger here in Hollywood for me. Yep. And you couldn't do both. And I couldn't do both. Yep. And so did you have a backup plan right away? No. Nothing. No. What I did was basically my, one of my friends calls me from New York, and he's like, look, one of our boys that you play basketball with is moved to L.A., and he's partnered up, and he's working with Lamar Odom uh-huh. from the Lakers. And I'm like, oh, dope. So it was one of my close friends growing up. Uh-huh. Yeah, Jamie. And I go in, and I go see them, and the first time I meet with them, I'm like, cool, cool, we catch up. And I'm like, yo, dog, you're, like, 
you have a huge opportunity here. Yeah. Like you're rolling with a Laker. Like, what are you doing? And what was he doing? What was his job? His job was just to, I mean, he was his best friend. Yeah. Okay. So yep. there's not a lot of pressure on him. Yeah. But middle manning and he, this and that. Exactly. Fielding requests. You know how that is. Yep. hundred percent. And I just saw opportunity. Yep. I was like, holy shit. Like, this is a gold mine. You got to do this. Yeah. So I come back to LA and <clears throat> he then teams up with another partner named Bobby whose father was probably like one of the most influential, most powerful men in entertainment and cartoons mm -hmm. and licensing here in Los Angeles. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm plotting in my head and I'm just thinking like, look, I got something here. Mm -hmm. We're going to call a company called Takeout mm -hmm. and we're going to take everyone out. Yeah. Yeah. So I come in, I'm like, we got to like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, we come to LA and we hit the ground running. Mm -hmm. We form a company. Is it shoes? Uh, no, it's basically, it's, it, what we call it is takeout enterprises. Yep. So because the deals that were coming to us were broad, it was, we did licensing deals. Yep. We did TV deals. We did whatever was needed yep. or whatever the opportunities were we were doing. Yep. Um, we were doing branding for him personally. So what we did is I partnered at the time with my partner now, which is funny enough, at Android Ohm, uh -huh. uh, Matt Germain. Yep. And so I partnered with him and I said, look, Matt, me and you're going to come. He wasn't happy with his business partners. And we're like, we're going to team up and we're going to form a company with Lamar, Jamie, and Bobby. Mm -hmm. So we come in. And then within six months of us being there, literally, like, we had Lamar on, Robin, on yep. Rob's show. Yep. Him playing basketball. Yep. We signed a deal with Crooks and Castles. So we owned the license to Crooks and Castles suits. Wow. So we were doing $5,000 Crooks and Castle suits. That's amazing. With, I wish I had one of those now. Oh, it was incredible. It was custom. Rob, Rob saw them. He was going crazy. It's so sick. Because when I told him the, what we were doing, he was, you know how Rob gets, he's just stood oh, up. Everything's and he was, a movie, yeah. Everything's, you know, he just <laughs> yeah. fucking goes crazy. 100%. And he's like, yo, Steve, come to my house. Yep. And it was so funny. So we're, he's there. We're telling the story. And now Carmelo Anthony's wearing, coming into the games. ESPN, he's wearing a white. Crooks and Castle suit with a cashmere hood attached Jesus. to it with the Medusa head embroidered on the back. Ah, oh, how dope. Yeah. Damn it, I wish. Do you have you have any chance to have them in a storage locker anywhere? No, no. They were uh, custom. Ugh, they I were all that. custom tailored. Yeah. And we, we, we did the deal with one of the largest custom suit manufacturing companies, which was a $100 million company yeah. that takes care of all the athletes. And you guys did all that? All the so we did the deal. The deal yeah. yeah, we did the deal. We negotiated it. We did it. Yep. Um, and now... We're telling at that time, we're telling Lamar, like, look, you're going to do this. You know, this is the clothes you're going to wear. This is the style. So now we're styling him. These are the clubs you're going to go to. Yeah. This is what your brand is going to do. These are the charities that we can get involved with. This is where you're going to eat. Yeah, yeah. And we just created this business model around him from a full branding standpoint. And we just created a really positive, healthy lifestyle, you know. And this is now, like... 10 years ago, you know, mm -hmm. this is a long, long time ago. Yep. More. This might be even like... Yeah, I think it was probably... This is a... If it was... It was, it was, it was when Lamar came and was like playing basketball at the, the Fantasy Clippers. Factory, right? Yes. No, yeah. Even before that, because we were already doing that. Yeah. That's when he was so filming. That was like 11 or 12 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's so 11 or 12 years ago. Um, and we start killing it. Yeah. I call Eddie from Undefeated. Now they're, they're, they're playing against Boston. We do the, the Boston Sucks t-shirt with Undefeated. So yeah. now he's got a collab t-shirt yeah. with Undefeated. We call Dr. Romanelli. 
We're doing custom Laker jackets. He's getting interviewed at every. So now he's walking in. He's a stud. Yeah. It's like having a creative director as a manager almost. You know what I'm saying? That's what it feels like. Yeah. Like having a creative person. I feel like every celebrity or every athlete or ever anyone who wants to be in the public eye should have like a creative behind them. Oh, you know totally. What I mean? To position them correctly. It, that's that's really what it was. It was like we're going to position you and we're going to brand you. We're going to do our deals and we're going to be able to use this leverage because now so now imagine I'm coming from DC, killing it. Yeah. And now I'm on the floor seats. Oh, yeah. So I'm sitting next to Jack. Adam Levine is telling me, like, hey, Steve, you know, can you get me a, can you, you know, can you give this bottle to to Lamar, like a champagne? I was like, of course, come here. Can you want to talk to him? Yeah. Yeah, come come talk to Gal. Living. That's LA. That's only LA. That's LA. You know know how that feels. So now it's a, you know, we're we're meeting, we're introducing to Rob. Yeah. All these beautiful people, these lives coming together, just helping, you know, really help his brand. I introduced him to Javier and, and, and Jerry Lorenzo, who at that time were running the nightclubs here. Yeah, that's crazy. So they were doing JL nights here in LA, which was where, like all the hottest stars would go to. Yeah. So I would bring him into that and say, "Look, these are this is where you're going to go out. Yeah. This is where we're going to party." Um, and during that time was special because at that time, all of us, a lot of us, started to move to LA. Uh-huh. So us meeting New York people, New York, Chicago, got it, coming to LA. So at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're now at the uh, HBO after party. Mm-hmm. I think I believe it was after, like, after the Emmys. Yep. And I introduced Lamar to Kanye. So I introduced him to Kanye and to Don C. He meets him. We start talking, like, you know, just for them to introduce. I would never know years later that he would be his brother-in-law. Yeah, you know? like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, that was just like... <laughs> yeah. So now I'm just like, okay... My life is different now. Yeah. You know, so uh, my partner Javier at Androdome now uh, was partners, really worked a lot with Chris Robinson, the video director, mm-hmm. who just did the new edition mm-hmm. on BET, which Chris, killing that was it, incredible. Right? Yeah, that was, it was, it broke all stats. Yeah, I keep hearing people talk about that. Yeah, you have to watch it. I will. I mean, so he was doing something called Robot Films. Mm-hmm. And my business partner Javier was working with Apple. And so him and Jerry were partners. Yep. Uh, this is before Fear of God. This is yeah, before Androdome. I just can't believe Jerry was like a club guy. Totally. You know what I mean? Like Jerry, I mean, it, and I'm not even, uh, no discredit to him, but like he was just like the king of the nightlife in that world. And now he is just the king of fashion. Yeah. It's incredible. And it, and it, was, it was him and Javier. Yeah. Like they started the company J.O. Nights. Our office was on top of Fairfax, second floor. And it was the J.O. Nights office. Yeah. We would bring some Androdome stuff in there. And in the back, in a smaller, was Nick Diamond's store. Yeah. Because yeah, his yeah. store was underneath, but his office was upstairs. He yeah. had a desk. I remember that. Across I was a store. I barely crooks. remember that. Yeah. Hell's Bells. Yeah. This is where it all started, and that's second floor of Fairfax. Yep. And so now, all of a sudden, so the Chicago starts coming in. So Don C is here. Kanye's here. Yeah. Um, they call me to be a part of, you know, be in the Kerry Hilson video with Kanye and Neil. Mm-hmm. So if you look at that video, um, all of us are in the video. Really? So it's me, Javier, Jerry, Leo, uh, Ivan, yeah. uh, Sean Merriman. Yeah. Uh, all, our whole clique yeah. is in that video because they didn't want extras. Yep, that's amazing. So something starts happening, right? And we go on one and two years. Now I'm in Bobby's world, Lamar's world, our world. So we combine all three worlds. Uh-huh. Fashion, entertainment, and now business. Yep. So because they were 
Bobby's family was one of the most powerful, so he's there with Les Moonves or Ari Manuel. Yeah. They saw him growing up as a kid. Yeah. So now we have access to anybody in this town. Yeah. And how crazy. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. I didn't know. It's just <laughs> nuts. The amount of shit, like the amount of different worlds that you've seen, is and you haven't even heard the mind blowing. Like, it, it just gets better. Yeah. So now all of a sudden we're like, okay, we're making this happen. Um, I get to LA. We do the Crooks and Castles event. Uh, they do, they they launch the store in Melrose. Yep. I hit the LA Times. So me and my other partner wearing this takeout by LV clothing. Got it. So now we're in the LA Times as a fashion write up and. The Lakers win the championship. Oh, man. Next year, Lamar wins Sixth Man of the Year award. It's just like... The momentum. The momentum is crazy. Uh, we then start to... Then I'm at, I'm at Dee's house. Yeah. And I'm like, and I'm like oh, we're going to watch the Lakers game. Dee's like, come to my house. Yeah, please, yeah. Cause, cause, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I'm L's guy. Like, uh-huh. like, he's like, I have the guy waiting the guy, like, watching the game. 100%. Yep. And you know, Dee's a sports nut. So he, he was... Loves it. Loves it. Yep. That was so, the house of him and Brian. Just up in the hill? Is that yeah. what you're talking about? Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Good times at that house. Good times. Yes. Yeah. Um, so now it's just another, you know, I'm living in another world. Yeah. I'm literally, we are entourage. Yeah. LA, it worked. I mean, you did it. You we, were like, we I were need entourage. to try we're the LA Queens, thing. Yeah. Off of Queens Boulevard. Yes. Turtle, drama, like yeah. the, all the, the team. Yeah. It was like our whole crew and we're in entourage. Was entourage on at the time? Yeah. Okay. Because I remember when I first moved here is when entourage was like on and I remember it had such an impact on me, too, because I was like, man, this is going to be us. Weren't you on the show? <laughs> yeah. <I was>. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know what's funny? Is in the early days, people used to be like, are you drama from Entourage? And I was like, shut up. He's <laughs> getting so mad. Uh, but I thought that was going to be our life. You know what I mean? Like, it it is. felt like it. It felt it like is. it. We're, we're, we're so desensitized, bro. Yeah, it no, is. You're right. You're right. The people listening to this podcast, yeah. they're like, it is. It yeah, is. it is. Yeah, you're right. It you're is. Right. But I just it hit me hard. I don't know if Entourage would have if I would have like lived in Ohio at the time, I probably wouldn't have really like related. It would have been just kind of out of my whatever. But when I it was right when the TV show was starting and all that stuff, and I was like, this is it. This is our life. So so, so now so now we're on top of the world, and unfortunately things start to go bad. Okay. It's like my three of my partners that take out. They're just like I'm trying to make them. You know, like. Uh, you know, me and Maddie were going like a whole different route. Yeah. So we just don't agree. Yeah. You know, they're going one one way, we're going the other way, and it was hard. Yeah. It was hard. You know, because imagine at that height, and, and if things you just stop working. If you don't agree with your partners on the direction. Yeah. It's amazing how much of life is like momentum. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And like sometimes things just line up, and you just feel the momentum, and everyone's on cloud nine and agreeing and on the same page, and then it's funny how like. Things can just change, and the momentum just shifts, and it just doesn't feel right anymore. You know, it's interesting. It's scary, man. Yeah, it's scary because so I'm on. I'm at the SLS. Lamar's on the phone with Chloe. Uh huh. He's gonna marry her the next day. Wow. And we're telling him like we're out. Yeah. So there's points in my in my life where I imagine someone that if I was just out trying to get something or like. If I just wanted to be like, you know, more like leeching of an opportunity, yeah, yeah, yeah. imagine just that. Just taking the crumbs. Second yeah. championship, you're about to marry Khloe Kardashian. Oh, yeah, the roller coaster just started. Buckle up. And I'm, you know, and I'm glad, you know, in these moments where you look at it like, if you have a hunch yep. 
that something doesn't feel right or like if you have a hunch and you just don't agree, it's okay. Yeah. And walk away. Yeah, that's important. So we walked away. So then now I have no job. Yeah. So I imagine where I'm coming from. Yeah. Like the week before I was probably like at Kristen Stewart's house. Of course. You know, yeah. so it's like I'm here. Now I have no job. Yeah. We have and no plan. No plan. No. And me and my partner, me and Matt walk and we're like, fuck, what are we going to do? So this is when it gets really interesting. Uh-huh. So I had probably a few thousand dollars in savings uh-huh. and I knew that it was going to last me for maybe like three months. Yep. And I had probably one of the most strictest regiments. So I had no apartment, no salary, no nothing. Yeah. I thank God for DJ Soul in New York. Uh-huh. He connects me with this Colombian girl. Thank God she was Colombian. Uh-huh. And she lets me stay on her couch. The Colombian connection. Colombian connection. Yeah. And so now I have a budget. So crazy that she's going to let me stay, a, a man stay in her couch. Yeah, yeah. Like to this day, I thank her. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, you saved me. Yep. So now I'm living by Runyon. I have $10 a day to eat. So I'm and that's going your to, own, like you budgeted yourself. That's all I had. Yep. So it was like, it was like, I'm going to do a three to $4 wrap at Trader Joe's. Actually, no, it was a dollar oatmeal, a three to $4 wrap for lunch. And I have a four to $5 salad at Trader Joe's and a dollar of water. Wow. 10 bucks. Yep. That's it. And you had it. You knew you had it budgeted it out. Had. You knew. Yep. That's all I had. Yep. And in my mind, I'm like, so imagine everyone knows me as Sneaker Steve. Yeah. I can't even take a meeting. Like during that time, me and Maddie would have to go and be like, oh, meet us at a uh, coffee bean. We're super and, slammed today. Well, yeah. We're going to have to meet you. <laughs> we'll meet you at coffee bean. And uh, when we would order, we would have a tea. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And like we have like, yo, you got $3? Like you got 5 Or yeah. you got, because... Or no, we can't even buy the tea. What? what was, did, you, <laughs> did your mind, did your mind state ever get broken? No. You didn't? You still felt like. No, you know what? I felt, Steve. I felt like, no, I didn't. It's not like I couldn't be confident like that at that point, but I believed in me. Yeah. You know, it was tough. You and didn't feel like you had failed. It was just a tough time. It was a tough time. Yeah. I knew that I was going to be successful. I knew I was going to get out of it. Yeah. And I then said, fuck it. If I don't have no money, I'm going to be in the best health of my life. Mm-hmm. So I ran Runyon every single day. It's amazing how that works, ripped. right? When you get rich, you just get fat. And then when you like, <laughs> go broke, you just you gotta look be sexy. great. Yeah. 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 yeah, if you could only have both. So hard. Um, so you're running fucking Runyon every day. You're, Jesus Christ. When so now, does it turn around? So I'm, I'm at, it, 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 it didn't for at least two years. Wow. Two or three years. It was that tough. So and what were you I'm doing? Now, you were just trying to hustle and just trying to make something make sense, make the opportunity feel right. Or you see what I'm saying? Like you didn't have a solid plan, right? That you were trying to execute. It was like, let me figure out what's next. Totally that. Yeah. It was let me make, like you said, the plan be right. Yeah. Luckily for me, I am very grounded spiritually within myself. And always have been. And always have been to understand my self-worth and what I can accomplish. Did that come from Queen? Where did that come from? I think so. You know, it's, it's got to be like a life the... that a lot of people have lost their sense of self, right? You give a lot of people a week with Lamar Odom in those days and you will forget exactly who you are. Totally. Instantly, right? Yeah. So I just, do you think it was embedded in you from just you, as a human? Think of me, I never thought of that. Thinking of it right now, it was all the achievements that I did. 
early on. That turnaround, that yeah. high school to to LaGuardia, yeah. which I, I didn't tell you, I was then crowned uh, valedictorian of LaGuardia. Jesus Christ. Where I gave a speech in front of 5,000 people at Madison Square Garden. Who would have thought? At Madison Square I, I have to say that to you. I think you, you sold out the you garden. To see, I sold out the garden. <laughs> you to see young Steve oh, please. at 20 years old. Please send it. Okay. Please. I'll send it to you. I still have it. It's on DVD. So you think those just embedded this sense of like you knew what you were capable of. I knew what I was capable of. And I knew I had something special. Yeah. Because we clearly saw it. Yeah. What, what I could do when we engage. So I then at that time, so I knew Javier. And Javier was looking to start Androdome, yep. which is what, where I am now one of the partners and president of yep. Androdome yep. footwear. And he was starting a lifestyle company where he was then creating footwear, uh, apparel, accessories. And even to this day, Androdome, we still do apparel yep. and we're, we're launching apparel and accessories now in the future. Yep. Uh, he had this vision for this brand that was affordable luxury. Yeah, because at that time the economy hit, mm-hmm. so it's probably one of the worst times for me to bail a position at a new company. Yeah, on top of all that, on top of all that, nobody's making money. So what I decided to do, I started to go to his house and I saw the shoes that he came back with, and I'm like, Yo, Hav, like these are dope, but yeah. they suck, yeah. but they're dope. Like, wow, yeah, you come from nightlife and entertainment. He had worked with Apple before that. He had worked with Nike. That had worked with Nuka watches. But I was like, You never built. A company or shoes like yep. wow yeah it's amazing and it was called android then or no yeah it was always called android ohm nice which is h-o-m-m-e yeah and i told them i told matt and me and maddie were like okay cool we're going to consult them in the beginning you know and if we want to really do this we're going to now become a partnership yeah so i want to say within june splitting up with takeout to October, I was already in China for the first time. Wow. And I was so broke that I told myself two things. I was like, one, I'm going to ask all my friends, what do they think? Uh-huh. So I go to Bashemi, I go to my friends, Emil, I go to all my friends, and I'm like, yo, guys, I got this idea. I'm going to help you know, launch this shoe company, and I'm moving to China. Yeah. And they're all like, yeah, yeah, Steve, you're going to kill it. Inside my head, I was like, dude, tell me to fucking stay. Like, are you crazy? Somebody, please. That's the problem when when you've accomplished too many things. People believe in you too much. And you could literally be like, I'm going to go to Bangladesh for seven years and find myself. And they'd be like, Steve, hell yeah. You fucking do that, (laughs) dude. You're going to crush it. And that's it. Yeah. And that's what I got. And I did it. Yeah. So I moved to mainland communist China. Did you know how long... Did you know how long you were going to stay there? When I you, had no idea. You just said, I'm going. One-way ticket. One-way ticket. I went once. I went twice. And all I saw was opportunity. And what was the, what was the like, opportunity that you saw or like the goal? Like, I'm going to go to China and do what? This is, it was easy. In my Learn mind. It was, shoes? It was crystal clear. Uh-huh. It was one, China had just surpassed Japan as the second largest economy in the world. Yep. This is how I think, you know? Yeah. Two, it's the most liquid company. Yep. Sorry, country in the world right just pure cash like we're so in debt to china yeah the u.s yeah and i'm like look one it's if i have ten dollars a day i can eat better in china that is that is surely true (laughs) i was like at least i'm gonna have noodles with you know i'm not just gonna have a salad coffee instead of damn tea so literally that was my thinking i'm like you know what fuck it i'm broke i'm gonna move to china where i can eat off of ten dollars a day yeah yeah 
and I don't have to pay a rent. <laughs> I just kudos to you, man. I just it it just seems so intimidating to me. Oh, it's crazy, bro. Like we landed, me and Javier landed in China. Did he move too? No. Just you. He went for the first trip because he had already found the factory in China. Yeah. So he was like, look, Steve, this is my contact. Um, go help. And I came back and I was like, I'm moving here. Yeah. And he's like, what? I'm like, nah, like I'm moving to China because I'm going to do, I'm going to be in the factories. We're going to get the shoes made. I'm going to leverage negotiation term deals with the factory. We're going to get development help. Yeah. And we're going to kill it. Like, yeah. he was like. He couldn't say no because nobody says no to Sneaker Steve. They're like, he's like, yep, I guess you are. I guess you are. Yeah. And, but he couldn't. He was just like, you're bugging. Yeah. So I go. And now I'm in China. And I'm, I don't know the language. I don't know the culture. I don't know the food. I'm living probably like an hour and a half away from the factory. So we're three hours on this crazy fucking bus with like chickens on it. Like every day or? Like every day. Jesus. And I'm just exhausted. It's dirty. It's just crazy. It's China. Yeah, it's just it's just China. It's China. You know, really China. China ten years ago. Not now. Some parts of it are sexy. But in the real China, it's not like you're living in a penthouse in Hong Kong. Exactly. Yeah, I mean the Huge real difference. China. Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm in China. I'm in a shitty apartment. I'm like, what the fuck? I then become vegetarian because I'm scared to eat the meat. Really. And I then become vegetarian so i eat broccoli which is xilinghua uh-huh i eat rice which is mi fan uh-huh. you say it well you say it like a man who's lived in china <laughs> and corn which is you me that's all you need to know that's all i need to Just know those three words yeah uh, so now that's what i'm eating every day is that a, 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 just because you're scared of the meat? Because I'm scared of the meat. And you're like, this is safe. And this is safe. This is all I can control. This is all I can control. Like, yep. at least vegetables, you can't fuck up that and white rice yeah. too much. Yeah. Put some soy sauce and you're good. Sure. So now I'm in China. Our factory is shitty. Uh, we stay with him for like a year. We then get to a better factory. We get to another better factory. Then I start to build a community of expats. Yeah. Within three, four years there, now uh, my friend owns the top model agency. I'm living next to the Ritz-Carlton in China. I'm like, you know, it's yeah, just yeah, me. Yeah. It's like, yep, sneaker Steve. You know, he's I, back. I, I'm back. <laughs> yeah. my, my friends own the dope model agency, photography studios. I'm now I'm you have a life. part of the, the most elite private membership club called the Canton Club yep. of Southern uh, like Guangzhou. House of... Beyond. Yeah. It's like you need $20,000. To, that's your that's the entry payment. fee that's the entry fee Jesus. so i'm there with government officials now i'm literally doing charity events with you know shoes and wine yeah i'm living a different life i'm outside the maserati and ferrari dealership yeah china china what real i china the real china this the is ballers which is for, it's all yeah. government governments are the ballers there yeah that's where the money comes from uh we set up our deal where we set up the legal entity in china we then broker the deal between our distributor in Shanghai. Um, we then now, I start to go to Hong Kong. So now I'm connecting to Asian movie stars and actors and singers. My life becomes a lot sexier. Yeah. And we then negotiate the deals with the factories. Now we grow. We launch a second division of the company. Every time I'm coming back to the United States, we launch another company called Dumb, uh -huh. which is simple, easy, dumb product because yeah. now I could source anything I want. Yeah. We use Dumb to help finance Android Home. And yeah. now all of a sudden I'm coming back to Magic and we got four booths. Yeah. And they're like, 
I'm just coming back with goodies. He's back, man. I love it. <laughs> I need like, some theme music playing right now. I wish we had like background music. Steve's back. Totally. So, so I'm back. I'm coming back here. So you're still LA. living there. You're just coming back and visiting? Exactly. Yeah. So I'm coming back. And then after four and a half years, because the pollution is so bad, yep. I just get tired of it. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck this. You like, feel the pollution there? Yeah. Really? You can't even see the sun. Wow. Literally, in Beijing, in the square, there is a huge jumbotron of the sun. Uh, if Just I can, so I'll Google it. Like how how it. sad is that? That's sad. The, the jumbotron. So you're people, there's like 100,000 people looking at the sun. I thought That's LA like a Hunger bad. Games movie. You know, <laughs> it is. you know what I mean? It 100% is. Oh, man. So you just could feel it and you were sick of it. And you're like, I need that Southern California sun again. Oh, yeah. I need, I need Whole Foods. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so true. And we, we set up the company. The product was, was, was getting better. But we weren't happy. Um, and at the time, one of my other friends... Um, who started a company called Evident Future, I partnered with him. Yeah. And he was Usher stylist. Uh, he worked with Kid Cudi. He was really down, really part of his name was LV the stylist, incredible person, one really part of my clique yeah. uh, that I groomed him as, as a young kid. I'm coming back here. So um, now Leo's blowing up. Mm-hmm. He's in Shanghai. Him and Javier actually together uh, helped design the Usher OMG tour. Yeah. So now we're meeting with Usher in Macau. I'm meeting with Usher in Shanghai. I'm coming back, and Leo's coming back for Coachella. He's introducing me to Jeremy Scott. I'm introducing him to Kanye. Yeah. And it's just like fashion. It's just like action, fashion, action, action. Fashion yeah. and action. Yeah. 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 You can't get bigger, you know? No, yeah. Um, so I then moved back here, and what I quickly found out was like, if you don't have records in the United States, like... They're just looking at you like, well, where have you worked? Where have you been? Yeah. So I was trying to get an apartment, and they're like, where have you lived in the last two years? I'm like, uh, not here. And what, when you say China, they're just like, uh, uh this guy's sketchy. No, yeah. yeah. Steve Patino? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you live in China. We're not, we don't trust Patino, that whole yeah. Patino thing. Yeah, Patino. Sure, yeah, sure. Patino. Yeah, you live in China. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's why you don't have, you know. We bet, yeah. yeah. So... So there's a learning curve to get back. And where am I back? At, I'm back on a couch. Yeah. So from the Rich Carlton and the Canton Club, I'm on Maddie's couch with his dog, Max. Ups and downs. Pillows on the ground because his couch was too small. So I'm literally sleeping on the floor. Every night. Every night. Anything. How long ago was this? This is uh, 2011. Yeah. This is not too long ago. Yeah. So then when did like... When did Android start to hit and catch on and feel like, okay, now this is... Because now, once again, I'll say, I, I've known you, I guess, a few different ways, um, but you're definitely 100% Android Steve now. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, it's your thing. It's successful. Like, when did that turn around? So, really, after I left China, you know, Javier was just not happy with the product in China. Yeah. And we moved all manufacturing to Europe. We took a ballsy move. To Italy or where? To, to Portugal first. Portugal, yeah. And we pivoted the company. Uh, so really, we've been in the market now three years with uh-huh. the new product. Got it. We pivoted to Portugal. Immediately, we saw the business start to go up. Uh-huh. In that meantime, though, and it's important for the listeners to listen to this story, is that we ate shit 
yeah. for almost two years. Yeah. Because we had this increase of product that's made in China that's now sold at Karma Loop and all these kind of accounts. Yeah. And now we're like, we're not happy. We had to go back to our origin and say, look, we want to make shoes that we're happy with. Mm-hmm. So we then pivoted and then closed all accounts. Yeah, that's a tough thing to do. As an entrepreneur, imagine yeah. to take zero dollars and you're just burning through cash. And your pride is attached to it. You know what I mean? Like when you have a brand, because I, I even know from like my past stuff, it's like when you start a brand, you feel this need to show off and to show how successful it is. And, you know, people know you a certain way and, yeah. oh, it's Sneaker Steve and how's Android? And you know what I mean? And when yeah. you're secretly going home and closing accounts, but you're out and you're like, it's killing it, man. I'm doing great. You know yeah. what I mean? And you're like crying inside. Yeah. It's a tough thing you know yeah luckily we're we're very integrous people yeah so i would tell everybody yo this shit is fucking hard yeah yeah like yeah. yo i need help like yeah. what do we do and you know and they're like because they don't listen to me they're like yo you're killing it yeah, <laughs> yeah sure it's i'm real like hard, nah. Steve, blowing I'm like, through nah. all that money and they don't yeah. they don't believe me yeah they just think like i'm killing it like yeah, killing yeah, it yeah. killing it so we 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 pivot we make one of the hardest decisions in life which is one of the best ones yep. so we stick to our story we pivot we want quality and then we then now start to open up Kith mm-hmm. in New York. Now, all of a sudden, we're back. Then we open up Saks Fifth Avenue. Yep. Our distributors in the UK start to do great, and they open up Harvey Nichols and Selfridges. Yep. And we decide, you know what? What we're going to do is we're going to pivot now even stronger. Yep. We're going to go to Italy. Yeah. And now and that's we like make... the end-all, be-all for shoes, right? Totally. Okay. It's the be- end-all, yep. be-all. Yep. So we then, now all of a sudden... We now are making the best shoes in the world. Mm-hmm. So from three to four hundred dollars, we are the best shoe company in the world. There's nobody that makes shoes like us at three to four hundred dollars in this affordable luxury space. Yeah. Um, and as we start to grow the business, now all of a sudden we start to open up Patron of the New. Mm-hmm. We do collabs. We do a collaboration with General Electric, mm-hmm. which is we did a, a flexible CX6 carbon fiber shoe. That's for the landing on the moon, 1969. Yeah, now we're doing collabs with GE and Buzz Aldrin. Yeah. Um, so the company just starts to take off. Yeah. Uh, we move from downtown to, to West Hollywood to a beautiful loft where we have our showroom. Yeah. So now all of these things that we always wanted to do that are inspired to do are now materializing yep. because of this focus, this dedication that we really continue to stay true to our story. Yeah, and the risk taking. That's what gets me. It's like, I don't know. It's, it's hard to make those decisions. You know what I mean? That like we're going to move the factories or we're going to. That's a tough one to do. It's huge. But it pays off if you do it right. And we did it right. Yeah. And, you know, testament to yourself. Like you've probably received shoes from me in the past. Yeah. And you've told me yourself like, oh, Steve, I got the new ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, that is very your, true. your voice changes. Yeah. It's like, yo, the new ones. Like, oh, hey. Uh, hey okay. <laughs> you got any more of those? <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It is true. And I've seen it. And I mean, to be honest, you're the type of guy that obviously like. No matter what you're doing, I'm going to support. And I've never gotten anything from you and thought like, uh, these are so-so. But I don't know shoes that well. I yeah. just, you go by feel, right? Yeah. And you, can, you could feel the difference. And you could yeah. see the change. And then I remember even just hearing, not even from you, from other people that Android was doing really well. And you could see the difference in the shoes that you were bringing me. And it just felt like it connected a little more, you know? Yeah. It just I don't know. You can just feel when things are hitting on all you know, cylinders. Yeah, you, you, you feel it. Um, and then this year, now, so then now all of a sudden so I'm back. Now, luckily, Lorena, the same girl, bails me out. Yeah. She's moving to Dubai. And she's like, look, Steve, you can stay at my place. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. Again, so Lorena, the girl that gave me the couch That's the, the first Columbian time. the girl? Yep. 
Shout out to the Colombian Connection. Con- Colombian Connection. Yep. She allows me to just stay at her place. So I'm like, oh my God, thank you so much. I don't have to pay a deposit. I don't need furniture. Yeah. You have to I'm explain the, why you're... I'm off the floor. Yeah. I don't understand why, why I have a Chinese background. Yeah. And, and I'm just like, wow, this is amazing. So at that time, I get an email. And I, so I just, I'm just back. I just moved into a new apartment. I'm one year back here in the States. Yep. And I get an email from my ex-girlfriend mm-hmm. that I was dating and I broke up before China. Mm-hmm. Which you know, which is not my wife. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't realize that you guys had dated before. Yeah, though. I, I know, I know Samantha for over uh, like ten years. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. See, in my mind, I feel like I felt like you guys met and got married quickly, like really quick. I didn't realize that you had known each other before. Yeah, 10 So years. what happened? So she emails you and says, "Hey, Steve. Hey, hey I'm. Uh, I heard you're you know, meet again. Actually, and back the, in, uh... the and it is Valentine's. So I love you, babe. Happy yeah, Valentine's. Nice. Yes. The. Ooh, that's good. The. The email reads, Leap of Faith. Mm-hmm. And her mother, thank God for her mother, her mother was like, look, you need to reach out to him. Mm-hmm. He sounds like an incredible guy. Yeah. What happened to this Steve guy? And, and her mother would not let her stop, like, go into the house without, like, emailing me. Yeah. And she emailed me, and we got back together. And since then, it's been like, the last year was, in, you know, was the wedding, engagement, uh, we're having our son, yep. June 9th, so in a couple of we- uh, months, I have my baby. That's so quick. And it's really just... Or so soon, I mean. The story of commitment. Yeah. So my story is a story of dreaming, perseverance, and commitment, mm-hmm. you know, um, dedication. And when, you, when you're dedicated and you're committed to what you do, you know, I was committed to find love. Yeah. And I have, I'm married. I was committed to start a family and I have one on the way. I was committed to be an entrepreneur and have a business and I did it. Yeah. I was always co- committed to yeah. that to myself. So anybody listening to this story, when you can see my timeline, it's a, it's a movie yeah. in itself. Yeah. It's stay committed to yourself, to your story, to your journey. Um, and now with the beauty of it is that now we have a company that is selling to Kith. And Isatan. Yeah. Um, next week, we're going uh, to our Barney's appointment, yeah. um, which is a dream come true it's for huge. us. It's huge, yeah. It's the That's be- just like a, what do you call it, like a benchmark almost. It's just something that you just, yeah. we're in Barney's. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. that, means, that means a that, lot. That, that means a lot in, in the industry. And uh, so for us, we are now um, excited because wherever you go, you find a product, whether you're in Tokyo and you find it at Isatan. You're now in these stores where I used to remember looking at them yep. and just being like, wow, yep. like this is amazing. Yep. You know, this is, this is like a dream come true. And I can go to Saks Fifth Avenue and see our product in a window Yeah, on Rodeo. I just, have you ever went to like Queens and then went straight to Saks Fifth Avenue? Like if I was you, I can't do this. If I was you, I would go to Queens and drive down Queens Boulevard and then I would instantly, or take an Uber because you don't drive. Do you still not drive? I drive now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, go down to Queens Boulevard and then just go straight to Saks Fifth Avenue and just look at like the progression of your own existence. I do it every single time I'm in New York. Okay. To God this day. damn it. Good. Because that's special. That's special. Just like, I don't know, man. To be able to experience those different, I don't even want to say highs and lows because Queens is not a low, but there's those complete polar opposites of the world. Com- I'll give you, my Saturday was... <clears throat> Doing yoga with Russell Simmons in yeah. Beverly Hills. Yeah. That's my Saturday here. Yeah. Like, my Saturday in Queens was probably being at the park yeah. on a stoop, yeah. drinking a 40, yeah. smoking a blunt, like as a kid. When did know? Def Jam start? 
Uh, that started like 90s, yeah, 80s, so just, 90s. That's yeah. just like the progression Queens. of like you're listening to some early Def Jam, you're doing yoga with Russell Simmons. Who would have thought? Who you would have told little Steve, like, hey, man, just stick in there. You'll be doing yoga in Beverly Hills with Russell Simmons in no time. You'd be like, get out of here. One of the crackheads are on yeah, here again. Drinking like this crazy super coffee that he gave me. Yeah. He was like, yo, you got to taste this. This is amazing. I'm like, all right, cool. You know? damn it. I'll tell you what else really gets me about your thing is like, is not only how you said the commitment and the whatever, but it's also the dealing with the ups and downs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at a young age from high school, having trouble and getting through that, obviously dealing with ups and downs in business, but also staying committed. What I like is you're committed to being an entrepreneur, to being successful, to creating things of value and to having a family, not to like, I'm so committed to gossy. That's it, gossy, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm so committed to gossy that I will die with it. Like if it dies, I die, right? And that's where a lot of people also just go wrong is you see people say, well, I'm committed. You told me I was supposed to be committed, but you're too narrow-minded. And I think your ability to like just be committed to success and be committed to, like I said, creating things of value is what's so inspiring about it and what keeps you constantly going and going and going. What are you committed to next? Like what happens from here? And next is I'm committed to myself. So next is legacy. Yeah. That's the one thing. Legacy. This uh, this year I'll turn 40 years old. Yeah. And legacy is what's on my mind right now. It's really now that I'm going to have a son, um, what am I leaving for him? Mm-hmm. What am I leaving for my family? What am I doing for my mom that I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my mom? Yep. You know, what what can I do from 40 to 50 now? And that's a big reason why I'm even on your podcast is because I'm focused on leaving a legacy. I'm focused on people that meet me, that get to hear the story of Sneaker Steve, this Queens to Hollywood story. Yeah. I want to inspire the youth and speak and tell my story as many times as I can. And if it touches one person, I've changed a life. And I know that it's touching hundreds of people and you tell it well, man, you can tell it. I've obviously done. I mean, this will be an interview like number, I don't know, 38 or nine. And so I've seen how people tell their story and it's it's a it's a testament to like their awareness of who they are and what they have done. And like you're just really incredibly tapped into that. And I would say my advice would be tell it over and over and over again everywhere that you possibly can in any outlet that you can. Like it's a really cool thing. So <laughs> what you want to do is in line with what you're good at. You know what I mean? Yeah. Unlike basketball at a young age, right? <laughs> it's, it's, you're actually good at what yeah. you want to do. But um, no, I'm kidding. But um, it's cool, man. You, you have it. You're very aware. Yeah. You know what I mean? And my degree was a communications degree. That too. I that didn't hurt wife, either. I tell my wife, she's like, you know, we have a really good relationship. I was like, yeah, thank NYU. Yeah, you should. I bet every wife wish they could send their husband to communications school. <laughs> And I noticed, like, you know, we talked about before, like, you have your checklist, which is something that I was working on of, like, your morning routines, and we were talking about Tools of Titans from Tim Ferriss, and just, it seems like you're really focused on health and on peace of mind and on being a stable, you know, healthy human being through all of it, too. Yeah, we're, we're reading at the company, we're reading this book called The One Thing, and it really just... I read that. It's incredible, because so it, it, it's, for me, it saved me, because, you know, you, you look at that work balance, and you find that... Sometimes it's something that's a false uh, idea of this balance. You know, you have to focus on the one thing in the different areas of your life yep. that make a difference, whether it be your work, your family, your home, your spouse, wife, whatever, whatever it is, is just focus on that one thing that can make everything else, you know, easier. better or easier. Yeah. And 
that shift in my life has happened now. And for me, that within this legacy, what, what I'm working on now is, um, is one is I'm more actively, you're going to see me more on the forefront yep. as Sneaker Steve. Yeah, you should be. So Remember you and I talked about that last time where I was saying, like, I'm hesitant to do that also. And you were like, you should do it. And I, you definitely should do it. Yeah, so I'm part of a new uh, TV show uh, on Revolver. Nice. So the show is called Revolver, which is kind of like a Bill Maher show. Yep. Uh, it's a six-panel shot where basically we talk about news, trends, everything that's happening in the sneaker industry. Yep. And then they'll have guests that'll come on every episode. Yep. And that's getting pitched now to all the major networks. So awesome. I'll be in front of millions of homes as Sneaker Steve, as solidified as a sneaker expert. Yep. That's more on the business side. And then for me, really, my legacy is in working on podcasts, yep. uh, writing my book, eventually my movie, and telling the story of my life so that people can be inspired by uh, a kid from a single-parent home that grew up on welfare yeah. with food stamps. Like I would have to go to the supermarket with food stamps yeah. to then being on drugs yeah. to almost not graduating high school to cleaning the floor on in like barbershops yeah. to pay, you know, to getting arrested All of to it. then now having gone to Ivy League schools and, and traveled the entire with world. Russell fucking Simmons in Beverly Hills. I mean, that's just the epitome of like the other side. Yeah, and that's why I told you. I was like <laughs> I was like, yo, you're gonna bug out when you hear I my story. Yeah. I fucking love it. Okay. <laughs> One other thing is you should read and have the team read deep work. Okay. I'll write that down now. So in the series of reading, there's a couple books that I really liked. Okay, I'm going to give you one more. Talent Code. Okay, Talent Code. You have to. I was just on this streak. And so Daily Ritual. So Rich Talent Code and the other one, Dream. Uh, deep Work. Deep Work. So uh, Daily Rituals, which I told you to read, is cool. You read little snippets. It's people's daily routine. It's more just like interesting. Got it. Uh, deep Work is about the – it goes almost hand in hand with one thing for me, mm -hmm. which is it's like uh, the power of focus. And saying like, okay, we're working on this thing now, and then we are stopping, and we are not, we're working on this thing or whatever. Yeah. So you really like that. And then talent code is about how actually, uh, you know, they go to like the town in the Dominican Republic where twelve major league baseball players have came from, and why? Why is it? Why do they come from there and not mm. from Minnesota? Or why is it really often that one star comes from a place, and then ten more come in the next generation after them mm. because something happens there, and it's Got like. It. You'll 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 love both of those. Okay. Um, and to the readers, I know that I probably said it maybe in past podcasts, but if you haven't read them, go read them. Also, I think you should consider starting a podcast. I think just like your what I what's so cool about you is not only just your general ability to talk like new sneaker shit, but also the communications degree and the all the different areas that you've played in. I think. I mean, think about right now if you're commenting on politics and on the new shoes and like you could really be a voice for of course some kids you should think about it okay well it, it i actually am and it's Good. uh it's called kicking it with sneaker steve oh, there we go fucking yes steve. <laughs> god damn is it another up now? shoe pun is it up now uh, working on it now okay yes. yeah okay last and, and thing. I'll, I'll need some advice anytime okay uh last thing and then i'll let you go i call it note to self it's my little ending category and it's that you can right now write a little note to little steve and I'm going to say uh, we're going to go with the Steve who's really passionate in Queens and is really absorbing the culture but hates school 
is smoking weed, is rebelling, doesn't like work. It's kind of relatively lost as yeah. far as ambition goes, totally. but it's so, so cool. What would you tell that Steve now to just kind of keep him on the right track? I would tell that little Steve that to wake up, Mm -hmm. to pay attention, to really start to write down your dreams, write down your goals, and hold yourself accountable to them earlier. Yep. Don't, Don't wait. Uh, don't get lost. Don't don't be scared of the pressure that your friends are giving you right now. That you are special, and do it for yourself. Be even stronger. Don't go with the pack. Be you. Great. God damn it, that was great. <laughs> okay, this is the final part. Plug whatever you want to plug. Any social media accounts, Android, tell people where to go, the website. Yes, of course. Uh, this is Sneaker Steve Patino, and please check out Android Ohm. Uh, that's Android like the phone, H-O-M-M-E. You can catch us on Instagram, Facebook, as well as AndroidOhm.com. Uh, I hope you love our shoes and all the fashion that we're coming out with. Bam, we did it. Steve, thank you. This was incredible. You're very welcome, and I'm very grateful. Yes, sir. We're out. Woo! <laughs>